talked about it yesterday, just that chip on your shoulder. Everyone talking about a neutral AFC championship game, not even thinking about you guys. How much did that motivate you coming into this? You better send those refunds. <laughs> I'm from the city where they gotta play us. Fuck a coin flip, it's time to pay up. Don't cross the middle, 21 in the cut. We ain't hiding from nobody, run and tell them it's up. I'm from the city where they gotta play us. Fuck a coin flip, it's time to pay up. Don't cross the middle, 21 in the cut. We ain't hiding from nobody, run and tell them it's up. Bag the bad champs, kings of the north with it. Thinking they can hang with us, still ain't jumped out the porch with it. Long bomb to chase every Sunday, watch him go and get it. Double up on him, then we gon' double down on T. Higgins. Just so void in the mix, now you really iffy. Every Sunday, showing boys how to really gritty. They try to shuffle up the game on us, but they ain't icky. Flip the coin, kick the toe, ride to the go and get it. Never know what's gon' happen when Joe drop back. He gets shiesty in the pocket, I get shiesty on the track. Nobody on the team, all pro, that's all cap. Most all around team in the NFL, that's all fact. Ain't came across nobody yet, it seemed like they can hang with us. They said we couldn't be Buffalo, but see how we call they bluff. Underdogs every week, they keep on trying to label us. Put your money on us, even if Vegas don't favor us. No matter what, we really came up now, it's hard to fail. I dare you come across that middle, Vaughn gon' ring your bell. I know we under they skin, them boys built frail. Eli Apple out there chirping like a next tail. You don't want Sam and Trey to come off them ends. Rita clogging up the middle like a big body bend. Right behind them, Logan and Pratt, the turnover twins. Jesse base in the backfield just to clean up the loose ends. We just drafted Cam and drafted Hill. Instant gratification every time that they on the field. We can't go back to what we was, cause that's the losing weight. It's been hard to throw on us since we picked up a woozy eight. It's like win after win, feel like we could really do it. Zach Taylor doing the same for the city, I give it to him. And I bet Samaji will find a hole if you give it to him. Hayden Hurst don't need a hole, he just plan on running through him. Just hand it off to 28 and let him do the dash. Getting hit by BJ Hill probably feel like a car crash. Every week it seems like Lou digging deeper in his bag. And if the game on the line, all my favorite money match. I'm from the city where they gotta play us. Fuck a coin flip, it's time to pay up. Don't cross the middle, 21 in the cut. And we ain't hiding from nobody, run and tell them it's up. I'm from the city where they gotta play us. Fuck a coin flip, it's time to pay up. Don't cross the middle, 21 in the cut. And we ain't hiding from nobody, run and tell them it's up. What do we say, y'all? They gotta play us! That's right, they gotta play us! What's going on, y'all? Welcome to the show. This is Sports with Strawberry Ice. This is show number two. Do me a favor, if you found the show, hit that like and subscribe button, smash that thumbs up. You guys are awesome. I'm of 2,308 subscribers. As always, I appreciate every single one of you guys. If you're watching on Facebook or Twitter and you have yet to subscribe to my channel, why not? Please do so. Please go to the YouTube channel, Sports with Strawberry Ice. Hit the subscription button, hit the bell for the notification, and every time I go live, you'll be notified. Also, exclusively in the YouTube chat crew, we're doing Super Chats. So if you have a problem like me and... Evan McPhillips, dude, from, you know, he's he's big time now. He's, he's with Malik Wright. But if you have a problem with the NFL 100, like we do, with jackpots listed, T's not even on there. Anyway, give me a super chat. I greatly appreciate it. And as always, I'm coming to you live from the Ice Cave. And the Ice Cave is brought to you by T Properties. T Properties, quality housing for quality people. Check out the website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your rental property management needs and your rental needs. And you know what? I wear it every day. Got it on right now. I got the hat on. Got the new shirt on. We got the uh, banner. The beer is out at Brink Brewery. Uh, hopefully, the cans and stuff will be out this Friday. But the merchandise, there you go. Merchandise, the hats and shirts and uh, banners and all that stuff is at jackpotjoey9.com. Portion of the proceeds go to the Joe Burrow Hunger Relief Fund and the Joe Burrow Foundation. Same goes for the beer. So make sure you guys keep that in mind while you're buying cool things because we got the best quarterback in the league. I don't care what anybody says. And. The Cornhole Tournament. It is official. I don't know if you guys saw it or not, but it is October 14th. 
that's what we're doing this. And 100% of the proceeds go to the Joe Burrow Foundation from this. So it's going to be at Brig Brewery. They're com combining it with their cookie chill-off. I'll try this again. They're combining it with their chili cook-off. So come there, drink some beer, eat some chili, get your ass beat by me, you know, and Cornhole because I'm going to dominate. I'm totally kidding. I'm not that good. But I am going to be in it. Uh, but it's just going to be a fun time. Come hang out, and we're going to have a absolute blast. What's up to everybody in the chat? Of course, strangers first. Why not? Brad's in there. Crip, you're in there. Nicholas is in there. Matt's in there. Greg's in there. Uh, and Greg's up. We got two, two of them in there. What's up, guys? All right. So I had this guy on when he was at PFF. I had him on when he wasn't going to work for anybody. Now he's gotten to be big time. I mean, dude, he's first star logistics. They're in their own studio. He's all Malik Wright. I'm just glad that ever remembers little peons like me. Here's Evan. What's up, brother? How we doing, Jeff, man? It's been a while. Glad to be back on the show for a little bit. Absolutely, dude. I, I appreciate you coming on, man. It's, it's, been, it's been a little while. So, so how is everything going to, uh, over there to sit down with, with Malik? You guys feel like you're having a blast out there. Oh, man. Yeah, no, it's a great time, man. We get together and, you know, we get to talk bangles on our uh, Wednesday show, State of the Jungle, 7 p.m. So that's always a great time. And then Mondays, we've got our, our sit-down show where we get to talk all NFL and NBA stuff. Man, we just get to... Sit around and talk sports, man. All the fun stuff. And now we got the the big star Joe Goodberry on the uh, first star team. So we're uh, we're only getting stronger and having more fun over there. Yeah, he's actually throwing out the first pitch of the Reds game today, isn't he? Is he really? That's that's what I saw on Twitter. I'm like, sheesh, man, I remember Joe way back. <laughs> right. Yeah, all the places you'll go, right? <laughs> uh, anyway, Joe's a good dude. I, I'm, I'm I'm honestly happy for everything that's happened for, for, for Joe because he's worked his ass off to get everything he's got. So. I'm I'm very very uh very happy for him, and for you because I mean I, you're a great dude. I'm, I'm I'm so happy. I love watching you guys on the uh, uh right uh almost said the right report on the sit down and and everything you guys do with that first star. So let's get into this thing here. All right, yeah. so it came out the NFL 100, right? And not only is Joe Burrow not ranked, I, I didn't expect him to rank, be ranked number one. I figured it'd be Patrick Mahomes because he won the Super Bowl. Yeah, I figured like two, maybe three. He's sixth. How in the hell? Is a guy who took his team to the Super Bowl and back-to-back -back AFC Championship games. Sixth, Evan. Please, let's, I'll bring the list up here real quick. Please explain this to me. Yeah, uh, I, I wish that I could, um, and the well, I guess I can. And um, the the explanation, I guess, is that as much as I hate Pro Bowls for all the reasons that the the voting is not necessarily as serious and intentful as people might expect um the the nfl top 100 list is even worse and i've listened to former players like mitchell schwartz talk about how the voting gets done and it gets sent out to all these guys and so much of the different voting and stuff that the players do they just automatically will put down people that are their friends or that are their teammates, which obviously makes sense, right? So the, right. the, the, the voting is already inherently biased. And then also there's, there's not always a great kind of like awareness. Um, all of these guys are not like a hundred percent live and breathe football and watch football all the hours they're outside of football, right? A lot of these guys, their exposure to other people in the league is, scouting whatever position that they're playing against next week. So if you're an offense that played the Bengals, you were never watching Joe Burrow film. You saw Joe Burrow highlights. You saw Joe Burrow games from time to time. But um, 
the the playoffs being in the Super Bowl, I think there's a lot of recency bias going on here for another. Oh uh, yeah, Jalen Hurts went from not um, being on there to, to yeah, being higher than Joe Burrow. Yeah, I don't know how that happened. Um <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. Jalen Hurts had a t- tremendous year. Tremendous year. But um, he, he had one, one good year. Right. Joe Burrow has had back-to-back, I think, possible MVP seasons. Took mm-hmm. his team to the AFC Championship game and the Super Bowl, and he's going to win it this year. I'm just saying it. But, you know, uh, that's what I'm like. Uh, Johnny Paps said it here, too. He said, he said, I think the, the top ten was pretty accurate, with the exception of Hurts being at three. Personally, I think you flip Hurts to Burrow. I, that would be fine. Yeah, I mean. Like I said, if I expect a burrow to be two or three, not mm-hmm. six. I, I yeah, just, I just I, I definitely think that it, it's tough because obviously, if you're just you know, uh, you got to be regardless of position, right? Otherwise, quarterbacks all make it to the top. Um, right. And I, I don't mean, like you said, Jalen Hurts had an amazing season. Um, it just comes back to the consistency um, that. Joe Burrow has played with since he's been in the league. And especially over the last two seasons, I feel like, especially when you have all these analysts out there, when they rank these top quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts is not, is after the Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert tier. He's right there in that Lamar Jackson five through seven, eight tier. And like you said, to go from not even being ranked to, I mean, Joe Burrow, took a team that was significantly worse than the Philadelphia Eagles with a line that was significantly worse um, into the Super Bowl. And, you know, it was a play away from potentially winning that game. Um, So, and again, you didn't see him jump to three after that. You you saw him jump to 21, right? Right. Not six, not even top 10. So then one year later, Jalen Hurts comes from not even being on the list, not even being ranked. He has a very, very, very good year. But again, that narrative of the MVP award of the Super Bowl, the recency bias, people voting for their friends or teams or people that they know. And like, it's just, it's not at all serious, man. When when Big Ben was in his worst year of his career and couldn't throw a football more than eight to 10 yards without it looking like a duck, uh, he still made the top 100 list. I think he was like 40 or something. And it was like, this is like, we're talking about 2011 Big Ben. Like y'all are talking, no, this is for last year, guys. And that's the thing is just, it's so much of your reputation, your your cachet within the league. And even then, like, sometimes I still don't understand it. I, I know you and I were kind of talking before the show. Um, and I I generally kind of like to have my ear to the ground and, and be aware of, you know, some standout players that are on the rise and stuff. Um, but to see guys like Talanoa Hafunga from the 49ers, I just – I don't Who? know that – Who? I, again, yeah, that's the thing is I I, I, I kind of pride myself on being a little bit ear to the ground there, right. at least you know, knowing these kind of stray guys a little bit. But I, I still, you know, I just to make it to 78 on the top 100 list and T. Higgins doesn't even make it. How? Um, I And the big thing is, look, you know, I see Devontae Smith up there at 100. You know, if you want to say, oh, well, that's the spot for T, but Devontae got it because, you know, Super Bowl recency. Okay, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. But then I see Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson at 74. And I'm I'm not trying to to knock Garrett Wilson, right? Um, but only 1.8 yards per route run um was up and down throughout his rookie year. Um barely crossed the threshold for a thousand yards. 
Um, and I know that was just kind of a putrid offense that he was working with, with Zach Wilson and everything going on there. But that's kind of where I'm like, how are you going to just say, well, he has the potential to be better than T Higgins. Like, again, I just, the same potential. It's, it's last year. It's what they did last year. That's, that's what this list is supposed to be. Right. Like. Right. That's, 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 that's the thing. I right, go off is, on him about T Higgins. I'm like, dude, T Higgins, if he's on any other team, 95% of the team, not everyone, but most of them, he'd be the number one wide receiver on most NFL teams. Right. I'm and like, also, and I mean, there's things like Jalen Waddle being ranked higher than Cooper Cup. Look, I'm an Alabama guy. All right. And I'll still remember when all these guys were receivers at Alabama. And when I was working at PFF, uh, Zach Robinson, who's now working as a pass game coordinator with the Rams, kind of he knew I was I uh, went to Alabama, was a Bama fan. And he looked at me and he said, man, all right, Jerry, Judy, you got. Devonte Smith, you got Henry Ruggs. Who's your favorite receiver? Who do you think is the best? And I said, man, Devontae's all reliable. Jerry Judy's got the route running and Ruggs has crazy speed. But there's this guy, Jalen Waddle, who gets in there for like 10, 20 catches and is out there receiving on punts and looking great. And I say this as someone who's been a huge Jalen Waddle fan. There's no reason he should be ranked over Cooper Cup at this point in their careers. And I know, again, we're talking a little bit about what happened with last season. Um, okay, well, I, I'll, I put, think, I'll put it this way. How is Jalen Waddle ranked above T at this point in their careers? I, I think there's a lot of fascination with the explosiveness and the explosive nature of uh, Miami and that offense. Um, I, I think there was definitely a lot of good scheming that helped get him and Tyreek the, the most after the catch possible. Um, and that's something that Mike McDaniel has done a good job of, as has Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay at all um, from that tree. And again, I just I think this is a lot of like flashes overweighing the, it, it, the body of work. That it's more other potential of what they think it could be. I mean, there's, there's no way T.A. Or- Waddle has had a better had a better year than T did last year, or have or it's had a better career than right. T has. I mean, it's that's it, there's not even close <laughs> compared to that's, that's the part that confuses me about like they if you want to move Devontae uh, Smith up to seventy seven where Garrett Wilson is, and then put T Higgins in ninety or whatever that okay fine, but like at least you got him in there. But yeah, they're not even. I mean, he's I, had I just, thousand yards in what three years in a row, and two of those years he didn't play a full season. I think he still got a thousand yards. Yeah, so there's. I, there's there's aspects of that that I'm just like, or you get the like I said, the big bends where players have played in the league for a while. Um, I know Matt Milano has been an exceptional linebacker cons- consistently throughout his career. Um, I think he's kind of moving downward on the back end of that. You know, you see him kind of drop a little bit. Um, but yeah, I just I it's tough. It's tough for me to put too much stock into this list because I, again, I, I, I treated this less than the pro bowl and I'm someone who absolutely <laughs> despises pro bowls. Like if you come to me in an argument and you say, Oh yeah, well he's got this many. Pro-. No, I don't get, I don't, I don't, I don't give a shit to be honest. All right. Just tell me how many all pros they've made. Tell me, you know, what kind of accomplishments they've had in terms of yardage or their advanced stats. Um, but don't, yeah, we, we we can't do Pro Bowls. When when fan influences, you know, 30% of the vote and you see there's a abnormal amount of Steelers and Cowboys and, you know, Niners, Packers type deal because right. these are the story franchises. They've been around forever and have that reputation of that. Um, you know, it's clear to see that the fan vote has a heavy impact on 
<laughs> on what in uh, what players get selected. So yeah. it's it, it reminds me very much of that and where, you know, some of these guys are, again, voting for friends, voting for teammates. Um, and I just I it's it's fun talking points for sure. It's fun to get riled up about a little bit and get your gears going, get you ready for the season. I think that's kind of I think that's kind of the the purpose more than anything. Uh, it, it- Got me fired up, like, dude. I, I just gotta say, don't worry. Jackpot Joey and the Bengals about to knock the door down, and they ain't gonna be able to keep a, keep us out of anything here, real soon. All right, there. Crip has a question. Being all property, Mister McPhillips, in your professional opinion, why do you think the national media doesn't like the Bengals? Is it only is it only Mister Mike Brown, or do you think it's something else? I think it's that, but I also think there's a degree of kind of like that. There's inertia to the Bengals old reputation, right? Where it, their, their reputation had been the same for so long and they had not made any type of significant strides in changing how they approach team building, how they approach free agency spending, drafting, playing rookies, whatever you want to point to. Um, There was not significant uh, change and kind of new ideas coming in. Um, And I think it was easy for people to have their, their, their feelings and their understandings about the Bengals franchise at that point and what it had been for many people growing up, it takes a lot to change that in people's minds. People still probably say the Cowboys are one of the, the best and most successful franchises of the league in the last 20 years, but then you look at it and you go, wow, they haven't made it out of the divisional round of the playoffs since, what, 1997? Yeah, they haven't won a Super Bowl since 95. Right, so if you grew up – twenty. If you grew up in the 80s and 90s when the Cowboys were just constantly one of the best teams, Mm -hmm. though the Cowboys have not achieved that success, you have it in your mind because of how you view that franchise and their success through your formative years and through sustained excellence, right? And I think that was the thing is the Bengals never had sustained excellence. They would have a flash year in like, you know, 2012, 2015, 2009, but then the rest – it was easy to look at things like player surveys and be like, oh, the Bengals, you know, look, their their stadium is in shambles and blah, blah, blah. And, oh, yeah, it's the Bengals. They're not paying. Look at the lack of guaranteed money. Look at the lack of anything, blah, blah, blah. Oh, won't even play their rookies, you know, all this. Stuff. So in the last couple of years, I think you've seen that shift a little bit because we right. have seen consistency in the last three to four years and how they've changed their approach to free agency, to uh draft evaluation to positional value to now with Mixon and Hendrickson contract differences in how you've handled contracts in previous years. So I think this pattern of continued behavior will help to change the perception of the Bengals as well as, you know, winning a lot of games and having fun guys like Jamar and Joe Burrow. Um, But yeah, I think it's a lot of history. I think it's a lot of reputation and I think it's a lot of people being kind of ignorant to the Bengals for the last three years and the real changes that they've made in terms of fan engagement, you know, media availability slash, you know, it was just, it was easy to, for reporters, reporters like access, right? They like the coaches like Brandon Staley. Remember when Brandon Staley was giving great breakdowns of why he put into his fourth down decisions or whatever else and people eat it up and right. There's a little bit of forgiveness in the media for those who are willing to share. And the Bengals have always been, uh, you know, you're going to get coach speak. You're going to get shut down. You know, sometimes if the team didn't like what you were saying, you know, you might get less access. And I think that to the outside media is what makes it so easy for people to 
to sleep on the Bengals, to just ignore them, to wave them off. And I think that the Bengals are going to continue to challenge people's notions and perception in the coming years. Well, that narrative is definitely changing, especially here in the last couple of weeks. I mean, well, just say this offseason. You know, we, we, we went out and got Orlando Zeus Brown, the best offensive lineman available in free agency. He mm-hmm. wanted to come here. Uh, Pratt decided to stay here. Now Logan Wilson has taken less money to stay here. And one thing, that, and I, I've said this a couple of times here, I just find this really refreshing. Mm-hmm. Logan Wilson said he wants to stay here because of Zach Taylor, because of the way he takes care of them and the way this organization has taken care of him and his family. Again, like you are just saying, you would have not heard that right. about Bengals ownership or anything. So that's the narrative that's changing. And it's not only us Bengals fans out here saying, banging the drum, saying, hey, things are different. The players are saying mm-hmm. it. And it's also, you know, we're back-to-back AFC uh, North champs and we're in the AFC Championship game back-to-back years. So that, that helps too. Mm-hmm. But I mean, what, what is that? In your opinion, what does that mean for the the future of this franchise? Because, I mean, Evan, with us signing Logan Wilson, I mean, we got – I'm praying to God we, we signed DJ. I want to keep DJ. But you basically got DJ and you got Cheetah, who I think are the ones that I'm not sure if they're going to sign. You got T, I think they're going to sign. And Joe, I know they're going to sign. Mm-hmm. We're going to be stacked for a long freaking time because these guys aren't going anywhere. They're all signed, and they're all under team, uh, team-friendly – just I don't know if team-friendly, but – Good contracts, I, I would say. Mm-hmm. That should put it out there that things are changing here in Cincinnati, not only with the fan base, but also with the Bengals. What, what, what do you think that puts out as far as the vibe for uh, the from the Bengals to the rest of the NFL? I, I think it definitely – that they are here to contend. Um, I, I think you're seeing that they are a destination for free agents who want to compete and want to be a part of – the culture that Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor and Jamar Chase and T Higgins and Logan Wilson and all of these DJ reader and all of these guys really embody here. Um, I think you're right to kind of peg DJ reader and Cheeto is difficult to get done for various reasons. But God, okay. That scares me. Cause DJ, I think is huge to, if we lose him, Um, that scares the hell out of me. The one I love DJ. He's a great guy. I've met him a couple of times, but just, just watch the games when he's not in there. Well, go watch yeah. the first playoff game in Tennessee two years ago. Watch him. He, if he, he's not in that game, we don't win that game. I'll yeah. tell you that right now. No, I, I completely agree. And as someone who, when I first started with PFF, was doing the Texans uh, media relations account um, and working a lot with them and doing Sunday standouts every every week and kind of emailing media members, hey, you know, here's some guys who were standouts based on PFF data. Here's some stuff to use for your stories. Um, DJ Reader was a rotational uh, interior defensive lineman. Christian Covington was getting a lot of run at that point, as well as some other guys. Um, And when J.J. Watt kind of be an edge interior versatile, he didn't necessarily as run stuffing uh, nose tackle at that time, did not get necessarily the rotation he should have. He was getting like four or five hundred snaps sometimes. But every game he was doing something impressive in his limited snaps. And he was someone who was constantly getting talked about. And when the Bengals signed him, I was very happy. I say all this to also be very careful about talking positional value because DJ Reader himself, yes, has incredible value. Objectively, the nose tackle position does not um, in terms of not value for the team, but it's a easier to replace position. It's an undervalued position in the NFL. It is. And um, I, I so when I say that in comparison to like edge corner, blah, 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 um, that, 
it's easier to replace. That's strictly because the threshold of athleticism you have to have to play nose tackle is not as unique as the profile you have to have size, speed, whatever else to play corner edge, wide receiver, et cetera. Um, so that's not to knock the value of DJ reader. As you said, when he was out, it, it was felt. Um, but I do look at how the Bengals have drafted. Um, I, I look at the situation of the free agent market right now where defensive tackles with any type of pass rush upside are getting 15, 17, $20 million. Now, is anyone going to give that to him for age 30 when he's also kind of dealt with injuries? Um, maybe not. But at the same time, if you're talking more than six, seven, eight million million a year for him, um, that's, that's when you start to talk about the Bengals can possibly be priced out. And that's going to come down to whether DJ feels I've got my payday. This is the team that took the chance on me. I love the culture. I'll take the pay cut and stick around, which he does not owe anybody. Right. Um, but he is that kind of guy that I think might entertain that idea. Um, but also on playing devil's advocate, I see guys like Mozzie Smith that the Cowboys got this year in the first round. I see guys like Keanu Benton, uh, the guy the Steelers got um, out of Nebraska. And I, I see these type of nose tackles that are coming out that you can get in either the late first, mid second, third, fourth, to where you're not going to get DJ Reader back probably but you are going to get a nose tackle that helps to alleviate that steep drop off between DJ reader and next man up. Right. Um, so that's tough. Um, Cheetah is also tough because again, the market where he made his rookie contract and then had to take less because the, the league was down on him. And now being older, he's, I think going into his age 28 season, um, you're coming off that ACL injury. And if you have your last, if you have another good year, you have one last contract to cash in, which mm -hmm. like I mentioned, DJ reader has gotten the chance to cash in while Cheeto has not. Um, he's on a very team friendly deal, making like average of 7 million, 8 million a year. Um, incredible, incredible contract value for a number one corner. Um, Stefan Gilmore is on his last legs in 31 and is making $10 million a year for the Cowboys. So I look at that. I look at Cheeto not have gotten a payday yet coming off of injury. And I understand if he feels the need to chase a bag for his and his family's uh, long-term security. But I also think that the DJ Turner pick and the Cam Taylor Britt pick might be kind of the writing on the wall a little bit there for, Hey, we really like guys like DJ Ivy and Sidney Jones and feel good about them as like corner three, four, whatever. Right. Um, and again, if that money is going from the defense to the offense in terms of payment, then now the defense has to get younger and cheaper. Right. And I, I definitely think that the reason they hit corner maybe so hard in the draft was because the writing is on the wall there. Um, but yeah, well, that's what's getting up. All right, Chandler, I know I'll get to your question. I know you're blow, blowing the chat up. I'll, <laughs> I'll get to your question. I see it. Um, but that, okay. So th that's where I think, I think Cheeto, I, I really do think Cheeto's this was last year because of the guys that they drafted. There is nobody behind DJ, and that scares mm -hmm. me if you let him go, and then you're going to have to try to draft somebody or mm -hmm. sign somebody. I, that's what scares me is, is that we don't have somebody in place, and that's where I was shocked, shocked with they signed both Pratt and Wilson because you got Keem Gaither, you got Mark. No, they're not as good as those guys. I'm not saying that, but they are guys who could be put in there and – would, would be uh, adaptable and they've been in the system. So it is something that could replace them. There's no money to replace DJ. They're, they don't have it. They don't exist. I mean, 
Zach Carter should have be a three tech. I mean, that's they don't have. I mean, Josh Tubo is a free agent. I mean, they literally don't have anybody to replace DJ. That's what scares me. Mm -hmm. so anyway, let me get the chance question here since you're a former PFF guy here. And so yeah. that's blowing me up. This is my son, by the way. That's blowing me up in the chat here. <laughs> here's that, all right. How much of PFS grading comes from personal opinions, judgments, calls? Should the grades continue to be used as equivalent data? So, yes, it should be used. Um, just like any data, um, you're going to have blind spots. Um, that, that does not necessarily mean that because there is an outlier or a blind spot for a stat um, that we necessarily just throw it out the window, right? So rushing yards, let's just start with that, something really basic. Um, very easy to say, oh, look, he has more rushing yards than the other guy, then he is better. But you need the context of attempts, right? Because if one guy has 500 attempts and the other guy has 200 attempts, clearly we'd expect one guy, even if he's averaging two yards a carry, to have more yards. Right. That's the blind spot of yards, right? That's the right. context we need. Um, if we look at uh, something like EPA, right? Jimmy Garoppolo is famously an EPA king. EPA is more about making consistently positive plays that nets you closer to scoring. So reducing right. negative plays. That's something someone like Jimmy Garoppolo does, something like uh, Jared Goff did very well last year in just finding open guys underneath the ball, whether that's a Monroe St. Brown, there's a bevy of running backs, et cetera. Um, that does not mean that we look at EPA and go, oh, EPA says that Jimmy Garoppolo and Jared Goff are top 10 quarterbacks, throw it out. That's not what that means, right? Right, um, right? So we have to understand what a stat is specifically telling us. Yards per route run, year to year, one of the best corollaries for how good a receiver has been. Julio was the yards per route run king. Right. At the same time, there is an uh, influence that can happen from like formations, where if you go very spread out with multiple receivers all the time, we would expect you to have less targets and opportunities than if you were heavy sets like the Titans and had two receivers all the time, because mm -hmm. you're going to be the receiver in the pattern more often means more yards, more yards per route. Right. Again, that doesn't mean throw it out. So I, I say all this to just preface that PFF, I, I mentioned Zach Robinson, a former colleague of mine, played in the NFL, played for the Bengals, played for the Seahawks, played with Tom Brady in, in New England. Um, Bruce Gradkowski does all of their stuff, played for the Bengals, played in the NFL. Um, these are the guys who, after the grading is done and the grading, when it gets done has already been seen by three different analysts. Right. And this, this, this may go through a more extensive process than it does when I was there a couple of years ago, where they had three people already verifying the grades. And then on Monday morning, Bruce or Zach would go through and watch every single quarterback throw. That was their job, every right. single one. And if they disagreed with something, they would bring it up and they would go through revisions. Um, so there are four and five people seeing this. So one person is not going to heavily influence this thing, where if right. I say, oh, Joe Burrow, every play was a plus two. He's so good. I love Joe Burrow. There's going to be three other people that go, this dude was effing up and messing up. Like, these are not right. We're going to find the right deal. Um and also people say this about PFF grades and when they say, oh, I disagree with this or that or, you know, again, this is you have to understand what PFF grades are trying to tell you, which is basically uh, plus or minus, but with weighting. Very, right. very plus plays are good. Very. So 
there's there's a whole bunch of different how that affects different positions. And we can maybe go into that on another show or something. But, you know, it's it's an efficiency metric of sorts. Right. How many plays are you out there doing positive things? Because obviously, if you net more positives and negatives, it's going to reflect well for you. Um, But I would also challenge you to think. How often do NFL evaluators, guys who've been in the league for 30, 40 years, disagree on Mm -hmm. what they see from the same play? Right. Mm -hmm. You say, oh, PFF gave them this grade for this game or this grade for this play and said that was that. And this is bullshit. And it's I disagree. And this is so stupid. Never use it again. No. Um, Evaluators disagree all the freaking time. The guys who do this for a living for 20. And this is also to say that people at PFF are guys who do this. Right. Bobby Slowick, who works for the 49ers with Cal Shanahan, was at PFF for years before Mm -hmm. he went Mm -hmm. to the 49ers. Like I said, Zach Robinson was with PFF. Now he's the pass game coordinator for the Rams and was interviewing for the Chargers offensive coordinator job. Like these are guys that are in that in that league, in that circle, right, right? that they have reviewing these at the top level. Um, So I would put stock in them. I would not say use them blindly and say that they're the end all be all because no stat is. Context of the of the stat is very important, but like I said, with with anything, there's going to be disagreement. People see the same play different ways. You know, people do the inside inside zone or duo all the time. It's only one or the other, but you right. know, fifty percent of people always get it wrong. And it's right. you know, it, people see things differently. People see prospects differently and go, "This guy's an obvious hit." No, this guy's an obvious bust. What are you talking about, right? And that doesn't mean that we throw anybody's opinion out because when we all come together and we use PFF grades plus EPA mm-hmm. plus yards per attempt plus your passer rating. Now we have a really good picture. And I always try to to use analogies because mm-hmm. that's how my brain works. And it helps me simplify complex concepts. And the way I see stats are like different color paints for a picture. Right. And so I get EPA and I'm talking about Joe Burrow and I paint that with blue and then I get his yards per attempt or his turnover worthy play percentage. And that's green in there. And then every little color helps me to build out the an accurate picture of what right. Joe Burrow is. Right. Mm-hmm. If I just use black and white, you can get detail, but you can put you so much more detail with color. So I, I think of stats in that way where it just helps you to add more of a vivid description to what you're trying to quantify. Gotcha. Now, I'll kind of roll this into a little bit of college football, too, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, with the 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 Bearcats going, my Bearcats, going into the Big 12, and I think by next year it's going to be the Big 14 and hell, the way things are going, <laughs> it might be the Big, big 20. I don't know. Is this, in your opinion, is this a good thing? I mean, I, I think it's a good thing for the Bearcats that are – we're finally in there. We got a piece of the pie. The Pac-12 has got four teams, <laughs> you know. Right. They uh, they might be done after this year. Do you think they're only going to have – it's going to be a power four now? Or where, what's your thoughts on what's going on with college football? Because, dude, it's crazy, man. Like, one day you have the Pac-12, the next day it's gone. I mean, it, it is. It's four teams. You can't have a conference with four teams. I got to do, do something. There. I mean, right. what's, your, what's your thoughts on that? Um, I Man, you have to wonder if – the same way that there's been like division realignment in uh, other sports, whether NBA, NFL. Um, I wonder if there's not something like that in terms of conference realignment. Um, 
there's there's obviously you know people make jokes all the time about like you know SEC West and East and there's teams that are more West that are in the East and more East that are in the West and you know you've so got the Big Ten now <laughs> right and yeah so you yeah you got boy like 14 teams in the Big Ten yeah so USC and UCLA are gonna be in the Big Ten <laughs> right so at this point there's there's got to be some sort of kind of realignment that happens because like you said you can't have this significant of an imbalance in terms of conferences and unless you end up with like we said like a power three you know which i mean maybe it's going that way but the these conferences are folding and they're just they're struggling to get it all figured out well the thing is not now we all know the college football is the makes makes all the money for the colleges so i understand that but mm-hmm. these kids that say they're playing volleyball or they're playing ba- baseball or whatever now they gotta travel all over the place right you know instead of being in you know a little closer because not everybody, even football players, not everybody who plays college football or college sports in general is going to go on to play professional. Mm-hmm. They got to be able to, they are students, however you want to put it. So putting this extra travel on these, just these other programs is, I, I don't, I think it's harder on the kids who are there to, to get a free scholarship to, to yeah. or, or a partial scholarship. Or Heck, you're going from UCLA. You're going to be jet lagged every right. week during the season. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, how are you up and study and be there for your classes? Yeah. You're going to be right. traveling to the East coast every week. So that's why I'm wondering if they, is eventually going to be like, all right, we're going to have a, we're going to have football conference and then the rest of them, you know, are going to be in their own conference, but they still, you know, get the money to mm-hmm. the colleges or something like that. Cause it's just, it can't, they can't keep doing this. I mean, and I'm not yeah. trying to say poor college kids. I mean, dude, they're, they're, which I mean, it is poor college kids because not everybody has an NIL deal. Not everybody's getting all the money. Mm-hmm. Most of them aren't. <laughs> Most of them are poor college students. And now you're making it twice as hard on them to study, which is what they're there to do. I mean, yeah, they're supposed to play sports, but they're also there to study. So I can't remember who said this, but I heard that, that maybe someday they might just ha- have power three, power four conference, and it's just football and then everybody else is in their own regional conferences which would work better for them mm-hmm. i don't know that's just I, I don't think it's a bad idea what's your thoughts on that no i think that makes sense because obviously we see a lot of the money for travel especially come from basketball and football so they have more resources in their program it's a little bit easier i think for them to make those travel arrangements we know that MLB minor league teams and and, uh, WNBA are having these issues with charter buses and travel, and that's an issue for them. Um, It's definitely also going to be an issue, like you said, for the girls' softball team of UCLA. Like, that's that's really unfair to ask of them to, yeah, their program to try and kind of compensate for uh, a move that was largely driven by the motivations of football and basketball. And again, I understand, like you said, you're, you're coming, you're, you're chasing the money, right? Yeah. Because you're going to make more money off of that move to the big 10 than you would from probably all the other sports combined. Um, That's the unfortunate reality. So I agree that when you have something that is such a monolith and an albatross, like football and basketball that dominate so much of the ad revenue and kind of just space where you get your funding. I like the idea of keeping those two and kind of like a separate kind of conference ideal than, you know, some of the other ones that are going to have less funding and less ability to do national travel like that. Yeah. Now, I mean, it's a thought if this thing's ever evolving, I think it's going to continue to change, but I do want to roll into a little little of my Bearcats. I know you're an Alabama fan. 
but you, which well, you know, we'll, we'll, everybody's got their flaws. <laughs> I understand. Um, but I, did, have you been paying attention to anything about the Bearcats at all? Have you do you know that Evan Prather, who was uh, Mister Ohio, mm-hmm. is now going to be a, a wide receiver, and it looks like he's he's actually playing pretty good out there. I don't know if you've been able to check any of that out or not. No, um, unfortunately, I've not. I've not been able to uh, to follow uh, to follow college football as diligently as I maybe have liked to over the summer. I think when the draft was over, I just like took a collective just like deep body soul released <laughs> like after doing that draft show man like i was so oh. stressed going into that thing oh and, dude uh, we, we we were on me and dale were on thursday friday saturday so the whole time i yeah. was done <laughs> yeah no, i was supposed to join you guys i think for like an hour or two on saturday and i was yeah. just like oh dude i am drained and dead like i yeah my girlfriend made me stay in bed she was like you need to rest you have been denying yourself sleep but uh yeah i realized it when i finally kind of re re kind of centered myself after that draft you know hiatus and then i was like okay let's go one of these i was like one of these spring games for college and i was like oh it's june okay never mind Like they're they're already played those, right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, I have not been able to kind of delve into much outside of the uh, the conference structure type talk right now. I'm I'm very excited to have college football back here in just a couple weeks. I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun. Heck, I don't even know what Alabama has done or is going to do. They got a lot of youth and turnover on that team. It may be uh, maybe a little bleak this year, but yeah, I'm I'm really curious to see how uh, Satterfield is going to do as the Bearcats do head coach. And, and people asked me this before, like, are, are you excited about him? I was like, like, I'm not excited, but I'm not against him. And they're like, well, were, were you were just, you were you just like, floored and shocked to see Fickle leave? Yeah, kind of. I mean, I because, was too. I was too. I didn't think he was the guy who would go chase a bag in a well, program that doesn't really have a chance of winning their, their conference. It, yeah. The, the, because they're going to, he went to Wisconsin and there's and Wisconsin is, I've done some research. Oh, well, they're a very well-run athletic program, and mm-hmm. he'll get all the money he needs. Luke could rec- he could recruit. I mean, I think he could have a, a chance to really turn that around. And he, you know, he's a great coach. So mm-hmm. after the shot got over, I kind of I don't say I understood, but I could see why, sorta. Mm-hmm. But I mean, for me, I'm like, you're going to the Big Twelve after this year. Texas and Oklahoma are leaving, right? It's yours for the taking. Do yeah, you it's yours for the taking. I'm like, Big Ten, you stick out Ohio State, Michigan. Michigan. Yeah. yeah. That's where I'm like, so it, I, yeah, yes, I was shocked. I still don't totally get it. I, I still don't. Right. I mean, I, I don't I'm trying either. to wrap I my don't. head around it, but I, I don't, I don't get it. But I'm hoping Satterfield uh, is a good coach. I, I think he's more of an offensive coach than, than, than Luke was. And people ask me, like, well, weren't you excited about when Luke got here? I said, well, no, not really, because he was at Ohio State and you know he was the head coach there for that one year and they stunk. So I'm like, I wouldn't, you know, and Satterfield didn't have a great year at Louisville. You know, I'm, and I'm not saying he's gonna be a bad coach. I have no idea. I'm just saying I'm waiting to see what he's got and what 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 the new changes are, are going to be with the Bearcats. I think we're gonna be more of an offensive driven team than the defensive driven team we were with with Luke. So it's going to be very oh, interesting. That can take you far, and that's been the Big Twelve method for a while. So right. hey, you're just prepping for the Big Twelve. It sounds like. Well, that's but that's the thing though. I, okay, get back a little bit. That's the other thing. It's like all right, because the Big Twelve doesn't play defense. We had a great defense. I'm like, we'll go in there and shut those guys down, and we could mm-hmm. surprise the people. But yeah, he left them. <laughs> to Wisconsin. So yeah, yeah. I I, I don't know. I, I'm excited. I, I'm really curious because I mean, the funny thing is. We were in the AAC for like 10 years. I think I was finally starting to 
remember when all teams were in our conference and now we're in the big 12 and we, I think Arizona, Arizona state and Colorado are coming in next year. And then Texas, Oklahoma are leaving. Arizona you definitely need a flow chart to figure uh, out dude, what teams are all coming. Yeah, and going. I'm like taking this one, moving to here. That one's going over here. And I'm like, ah, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. But I, I like I said, I'm excited. It's a great move for Cincinnati because we have a piece of the pie. We all, we're going to have a chance to compete in every aspect of football now. Uh, you know, more more than ever before. I mean, we, the same thing we had when we were in the Big East. We had it for a couple of years, and then the Big East broke up. And we got it back in the Big 12. And I'm very happy that the Big 12 is actually being proactive and expanding, because that's what you got to do. <laughs> if you're not proactive in this and trying to expand, you're going to be like left behind like the Pac-12. So I, I'm happy with what the direction that the conference we're in is going. Now I just got to see if the Bengals, Bengals, <laughs> Bearcats, too many bees can uh, can perform for them, which that's that's gonna be interesting to find. But let's move back to the Bengals here. Now, what are your standout performances so far here uh, in training camp that you that you've gotten to see and the uh, guys you're excited to possibly watch this Friday? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think obviously you're not going to be talking about any of the starters. Everybody's gonna no, be able to I don't, no, none of the starters are going to this, right? Um, I definitely am interested. There's been a lot more attention to DJ Ivy consistently. Um, was a little confused when there were other tight ends still capable, decent prospects on the board in like round six and seven. They opted to swing back around and get corner again. Um, and I, I kind of looked, yeah, at- you weren't the only one, <laughs> right? Um, so that was interesting, and I think there were also a couple other like there was a prospect Corey tries from Purdue that I thought had size speed measurables and some pretty good production that uh, I also was kind of eye in there. So DJ Ivy kind of caught me off guard, but from everybody that has been to camp so far, all I hear is that the guy keeps making plays. He does. Um, I'm starting to put a little more stock into like the last week or so, because now they have pads on They're playing for real. Now um, I expect the size the size speed guys to really kind of dominate when they're wearing shorts, but now that they're in pads, yeah. um, it, you can put a little more stock into what you're hearing. So DJ Ivy's one, um, Charlie Jones, obviously another one, and he and Yoshi Voss based. Yes, Yoshi. I think both of them are definitely the top of that list. Um, I think you also want to see some development from these guys on the defensive line because that's the real wild card is if any of Zach Carter, Cam Sample, Jeff Gunther takes a, a step forward. Suddenly you you've got a little more beef on that interior that you feel a little bit better about, which would be tremendous for this team um, as, as a team that's struggling for depth behind BJ Hill and DJ reader. Um, so those are, that's about maybe four or five guys that I'm kind of really, really looking at. Um, I, I have every bit of faith in the world that Jordan battle is going to be just fine. I, I have a lot of faith in Jordan battle. You're, so you're not a little biased about that. Are you? <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe just a little bit. Yeah. But uh, no, I, I think that guy's going to come in and just take care of business. So, um, so I'm I, I got one for you here. This is yeah. what I, I'm curious. And we're not going to find out this until the season starts, but since they, Resigned or extended Trey Hendrickson. And I've seen Miles Murphy playing inside a lot at practice. Mm-hmm. My thought process goes to, I mean, we're all excited about the, the quote unquote NASCAR package. So we put all four of them out there on mm-hmm. third downs or whatever. And then I, I think they might be out there for more than that. That's just because if you can get pressure with your front four with, D, with uh, DJ or BJ in the middle and mm-hmm. those four guys on the, on the inside and outside coming at you. 
that's that's what the Eagles did. I mean, the Eagles did with with three, but if you can get pressure with four of them, that just sets the t- tone for for the our DBs to to eat back there, linebackers to take off. I mean, I, I don't know what you're do. You, do you, am I crazy in thinking that they'll play this more than people think, or what? No, I I think um, I think you've seen how much they've relied on Trey and uh, Sam. Excuse me, on the edge. Um, I, I think Sam was over 950 snaps in like both of the last two seasons. I'm, yeah. I'm going off the top of my head. I know it was a lot. They, they, they need they need less snaps for sure. Yes, uh, Sam Hubbard 962, and then obviously uh, Trey has dealt with his own injuries as well. And I think they're especially as Trey is getting closer to 30. Um, I think there's going to be an emphasis on rotating in Joseph Osai yes. and Miles Murphy. And I know everybody's excited about the NASCAR package and the pass rush potential, but I think we might see Miles Murphy maybe rotate in a little bit more on those rundowns. And yeah. you see he's, he's, he's a good run, to, run defender too. He's, he's better than I think people give him credit for. That's the thing is I, I think that with a few tweaks, um, his run defense will probably be better than his pass rush coming out. And I say this is someone who he – I'm very excited about the pick. I'm very excited about his measurables. His Were you sh- as shocked as I was when they, they picked him? Yes. Um, yeah. I, I, I was surprised. But I also understand um, just from positional value right? when you look at where where – where do you get guys with the traits that succeed at the end, at corner, mm-hmm. at quarterback? Those are all first and second round. Right. And outside of that is a dart throw. Mm-hmm. Um, so I understand absolutely with Trey and Sam both getting older, pushing that 23 mark, or I'm sorry, 23 mark, 30 mark. Um, mm-hmm. Then I understand wanting to get younger to where, you know, year three of Miles Murphy rolls around and he's ready to take over a starting role. Um but I, again, I, I'm a fan, but we also need to point out that he did not have the pass rush production that you want. He did not improve much as a pass rusher from freshman to sophomore to junior year, where you want to see some growth and development. And you also want to see as you get bigger and stronger and faster than these other 18 year olds coming in from high school, you should be beating up on them more. Right. Um, his, his pass rush win rate of 14.3%. And his true pass uh, rush win rate of 17.3 were about half the win rate of many edges like Will McDonald that went off the board earlier. Um, There's definitely questions why he didn't put that together um, against some of the lower competition in the ACC. Um, But, you know, there was changes in defensive scheme and coordinators, and there's reasons that you can think that. And he's also Mm -hmm. just 21. So I'm not trying to put the stamp on him, but I'm just saying – it might take a little bit for the pass rush to get there. Whereas I think he can be very valuable rotating in for Trey and Sam and kind of relieving them on some of these rundowns and give, keeping them fresh right. for the playoff run and also getting miles valuable experience as a run defender. And, um, you know, I mean, we see neutral pass rate is constantly going up. So when, you know, first down is no longer just the rundown, you know, right. So that's not to say that miles Murphy's not going to go out there with the intention of we expect run and then it's play action or it's a drop back pass anyways. Um, But I I definitely would not be surprised to see him rotate in maybe more on rundowns than pass downs to begin with, because the times you bring in the NASCAR package are are fewer and farther in between maybe um, where you're looking for just pure juice and pass rush. So how how big a year is this for Zach Carter? How how big a year do the Bengals 
need him to develop. I, I'll put it that way because we still have anybody to replace Larry O. I think he's your best candidate. That I don't think he's going to replace him, but at least be you know suitable there. Mm-hmm. I, I think he started playing really well at the end of the year. I, I, I will give him credit. So I'm hoping he he, he adds on to that this year. But what, what's your thoughts on uh, Zach Carter? I think Zach Carter and Cam Sample both yes. kind of down the last seven, eight weeks when Trey went down, they did a good job of kind of having a upward trajectory in their production, um, definitely trending the right way. Jeff Gunter was not. Um, but we he was hurt about, most last year, too. That was his problem. Yeah, it, it's tough. You're, you're definitely going to have to see more from him. And it's tough, too, because, like you said, with the addition of guys like Miles Murphy, that D-line room only gets even deeper. Mm-hmm. And people are going to have to really fight if they want to be on the back end of that roster when if they want to keep DJ Ivy, they might have to keep seven corners. And if they want to keep Trent Irwin and Stanley Morgan, they're going to have to keep seven wide receivers. And suddenly you're like – Someone's that, that, gonna get right cut there. somewhere. That's gonna be the biggest decision. Those two rooms right there are gonna be the two biggest decision marks, I think, for this coaching staff of, of who do they keep, who do they think they can sneak onto the practice squad because it's only one cut this year, right? You know, so that, that's gonna be the biggest or the in, most interesting thing to see how they try to do that. Yeah, so I, I think I hope to see a step forward from Zach Carter, but I also would not be surprised if in two seasons when we're going into the last year of Sam and Trey's deal and Miles Murphy's there and maybe Joseph Osai is still there. I wouldn't be surprised to see five or six new faces on that D line room. If they don't take steps forward this year, you know how they've held on to so many offensive line prospects, right? Like Deontay Mm -hmm. Smith for so long. And eventually you have to give up. Eventually, you have to move on, right? If you don't see even that trajectory that you want to see, at some point, you have to move on. And I think we're into that last year where, oh, gosh, who was the guy they drafted out of Kansas State, the edge rusher, just, what was that, five, six years ago? Jordan Willis, is that right? Uh, I think so. I'm trying to remember Kansas State. I remember the kid of the Kansas State, the long hair that got hurt, but I was. Yeah, it was Jordan Willis. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I, uh, I I was excited about him. He was a fun prospect that, you know, maybe wasn't so bendy, but you know, had that potential and it took three or four years and then eventually they moved on. Right. And I, I see that maybe being a similar trajectory for some of these guys on the backside of the defensive line, where, like you said, if, if you're looking for that guy to follow in DJ readers footsteps, if you're looking for that guy to be your other three tech, if you're looking for that guy to be your other edge across from, Miles Murphy in the future. I don't know that Cam Sample, Jeff Gunder, Zach Carter make you feel comfortable enough that they're going to be NFL level starters consistently to where you might not want to transition to another project where I think maybe Deontay Smith, I don't know that I, they love Adenogy. I don't think Adenogy has gone, but those type of guys where I think they might move on from the Deontay Smith and say, let's keep the Jackson Kirkland and work on him now. Right. And see what we can get out of that. So I definitely would expect to see this be a big inflection point for that defensive line rotation on the back end. All right. So with that being said, a good curious thing with the offensive line here, mm-hmm. Jonah Williams, uh, I, I've said it all along. So he's going to be a right tackle. I've steadfast right. stood by that. He's going to be a right tackle with him so far transitioning pretty freaking smoothly mm-hmm. and Jax Carmen still hit or miss. You got Deontay Smith. Those are your, right now. If they don't resign Jonah, which 
I think all intents and purposes, we don't think they're going to. I don't think mm-hmm. they can afford to do it. What are they going to do? It, 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 Jack, it, are you okay with Jax Carmen being your right tackle next year? I mean, I know it's early. It's a whole year, but it's it's something that the Bengals have got to think about. You know, I mean, they yeah. Do. Um, I think you can be hopeful, but also hope is not a strategy, right? Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, so hope in one hand I, and in the other. <laughs> right. See which one fills up first. Right. Right. <laughs> um, I I just don't know. Maybe you see some development from him, and I just. I know they're sprinkling him in right now, and he looks a little inconsistent, which I would expect from someone who just flipped sides of the line for the first time in their playing career. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's the part that, that kind of is tough for me because a lot of the tackles that have that kind of versatility to switch have either played that side before right. or were at least cross-trained. Um, and I just – Again, that's that's a hoping strategy, right? If you're planning on Jackson Carmen, plus I, I know he had a good game last year and did not look like an utter disaster like he did his rookie year. Right. And I commend him for coming in with a new approach and a more clear work ethic and effort than he gave as a rookie. Um, but at the same time, if I'm walking in with him as my day one starter next year at present, based on what we know, I'm, right. I'm feeling a little, yeah. little uneasy about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's a lot of good guys on this roster, man, where they have them on the back end. And I just wonder if you're keeping Lyle Collins and you're keeping Max Sharping and Trey Hill and Adenogy, like you're, you're pretty much already at like what, nine linemen. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. you, you uh, do you think he could snake Jackson Kirkland onto the practice squad in a NFL league that is desperate for a lineman with a pulse? I mean, well, that that brings you another. We're going, we're going over an hour here, but I, I just, that's what you and me do. We always talk. Um, <laughs> but this is one another thing that I brought is I think you know they're going to. I okay, put this way. I want them to keep Lael, even after he gets off pup. I want to keep him because what's happened the last couple of years to our offensive line. Mm-hmm. Somebody's gotten hurt, and if you got Lael in your back pocket, who can play uh, right tackle or kick in the guard, right? That's and I know it's a that's big, one of the best backup situations in the NFL. But it's, it's a it's a large chunk of change mm-hmm. that they would owe him. So I, that's where I'm like, I hope they do it. I don't know. If they, well, the thing is though, his his uh, if you remember when he signed his contract, it's very incentive laden. So if he's not active for a game, then you don't owe him that money. Right, but they cut him. I think they get like seven million dollars or something like that. Is it, know, me, okay, somebody else is on. I can't remember. Somebody was on the show last week telling me that because I was I was talking about. It. I'm like, because I'm like, yeah, we keep it. Like, yeah, well, they cut him. It's like it's like a seven million dollar. Yeah, they do. Um, and uh, <laughs> my right. Uh, my question is, if you get seven million dollars right now, what are you going to do with it? Pay T, pay Joe. <laughs> the thing is, if they've already manufactured their cap space and done the mixing right. deal and right. done the Trey Hendrickson deal with this in mind, do they have to? I hope. Uh, I hope they do. I want to keep them. I'm just. And that's the thing is, you can also roll over. But again, with the, I would argue with the way the def- and this was my argument with people just like, oh, trade and cut Jonah right now. I don't, you know, I, I, I don't uh, understand. We were we were like never that. on that squad. Uh, no, <laughs> no, never. Um, a, this is one of the best backup tackle guard situations that you could have. And yes, it's $7 million that you could save um, against the cap. Um, but I just, I don't, 
I just I, I don't see it because he's got a three he's got three million dollars timed up in per game roster bonuses. Do we expect him to be even in the game before? What? I, mean, I think he's going to be on the pup list for the first six weeks. To be honest, right? So That's again, cool. we're already talking about you're probably going to end up saving a million and a half, right. maybe two, mm-hmm. based on that. Um, and if you're telling me you get the best backup tackle guard option for five million dollars after what you've had to deal with, sign me up. Years, right? Yeah. So sign me up. So that's why I'm like. I don't want to cut him because then, okay, uh, somebody so backup Jax Carmen, back to Jackson Carmen or Hakeem Adenogy right. or Deontay Smith or Cody Ford, which and, I don't believe is a real legitimate. No, he's, he's, he's honestly been playing with the third string. So. I, yeah, I, I, people were like, oh, he might take the job or get yeah, like, And I was like, this guy couldn't even play guard. For, <laughs> two seasons in the NFL on two different teams that right. were desperate for offensive linemen with a right. pulse. And you right. think he's just going to switch back to tackle Ooh. and finally sign all type of success. Like right. I doubt it. Like, right. Yeah. yeah uh, that one, that one always, they're like, Oh, he's going to come and compete for the right tackle. I said, no, he's not. I was like, well, they can tell him that, but he ain't really going to compete. Like, they're like, no, but there's, there's flashes. And I'm like, Oh my God, guys, like, like this is how starved we are for like, anything offensive dude, linemen. And I, we're trying I, to cut. Jonah and Lyle. Like, why don't like, dude? That drove me so. Why does there? Why is there so much Jonah hate? I, I, I was exactly okay with Jonah that. being our left tackle. I mean, trust me, Zeus, Zeus is better than Jonah. I fully admit that. I'm fine with that. I, I am very happy that Zeus is our left tackle. I didn't still understand all the Jonah hate. I mean, Jonah popped his kneecap out, both knees, mm-hmm. <laughs> and one of them, one game popped him back in and went back in and played. I mean. Right. Dude, he's a tough dude. He's a team player. I mean, he's going to be a really good right tackle. I just, I, I that you, we've, you were on here, I think, last, or earlier this year with me and Dale. Yeah, we're talking I think it about was that. a pre free agency, I think. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I don't understand why everybody is before we even signed Zeus. Like, I think it's people who are like, oh, he's supposed to be a top 10 or top 15 tackle. And it was like, no, 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 guys, like he, He's an average tackle, and that is extremely valuable. Right. My, uh, gosh, uh, God, why am I blanking so hard on the right tackle who signed with the Broncos from the 49ers? Oh, um, uh, McCutcheon. McC- no, that's the that's the McGlinchy. There it is, yes. Mike McGlinchy. I was like, yes. I kept wanting to say McGarry, and I'm like, no, that's Caleb. <laughs> like, no, um, seventeen million dollars, and yeah, guys, like he was a better run blocker than Jonah in a Kyle Shanahan system, which you know, I everybody's good with a run blocker, right? Kyle. Yeah, he he <laughs> makes yeah he makes a lot of good people look good in that, um, and he was putrid as pass blocker. Jonah was a better pass blocker, far and away. Um, so, but he got seventeen million dollars. So I'm sitting here going, "You're paying Jonah to be the thirtieth to forty fifth best tackle in the league for twelve million dollars, and that's a good deal." And people were losing their fucking minds. And we're again, we're sitting here trying to talk our talk ourselves into Cody Ford based on like four good snaps across his three year right. career, and he's been cut from two teams in two years. And right. we're like. Oh, but Jonah had 13 bad plays on 1,000 pass blocking or on 1,000 snaps. Right. He's the worst ever, and I'm yeah, like, I, 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 I never understood. I mean, I got I, I, guys on the street. I, I hope we keep. Doesn't it frustrate you, like on those days where you're just busting your ass for like six straight hours, no break, whatever else, and then you stop to take a breath and you check your phone, and that's the second when the boss walks <laughs> in the door. Right. Yes. That's like what you're doing to Jonah, where it's like he's busting his ass for 1,000 plays. He played uh-huh. 1,000 snaps. And if you're looking at just 13 snaps, his sacks, and saying, well, that's who he is, 
you're ignoring who he is for the other 99.8% of his plays. Exactly. Which is just, again, silly, which, again, that's something where I like PFF is that the accumulation of those negatives, while severe, guys, I want to have – you guys want to be that mad about Jonah and his sacks? I want the same energy when we get uh, uh, holding calls. on Yes. Because you want to talk about what kills a drive – Oh, a sack kills a drive. You know what else does? A holding call kills a drive almost as much. And people were talking about, oh, yeah, get this guy or that guy. And I'm like, if you combine sacks and penalties and treat them somewhat similarly, like there's a lot of guys who are penalized twice or three times as much as Jonah. Yep. Juwan Taylor and Orlando Brown both, I think, had more than double the penalties that Jonah Williams had. So it's like, do you want the guy who gives up 10 sacks and has no penalties or the guy who gives up? three sacks with 12 penalties. And I'm like, right. uh, I, those are as bad as a sack that 10, 15 yards can kill a drive. Like I, so I just, if you want to come at Jonah's head for the sacks, I want to see people go at offensive lineman heads for penalties as well. well trust me. If Jonah is gone after next year, people are like, you know what? We really should have kept Jonah Williams. I'm like, no shit. Exactly. All right. Evan, it's, you've been on for an hour and four minutes. I appreciate it. I guess you get on here. Me, you, me and you can just keep talking, but anyway, tell everybody about, uh, you know, the sit down, the things you got going on Malik, right. And anything else you want to plug? Right. Yeah. Um, you guys can find me over on Twitter at emicphil. Um, you can find, uh, our YouTube show at youtube.com forward slash the sit down five, one, three, um, we do a Bengal show on Wednesday nights, a uh, live interactive show. Love to have you guys in the comments and kind of interact with you and hear what you want to hear and uh, address your concerns and your questions. And then we also have a Monday show and we'll probably ramp up our frequency a little bit with maybe some of these shows um, when it comes time for um, when it comes time for the regular NFL season and things are a little bit more frequent and we don't have the dog days of summer. But, um, no, you guys can follow us on Twitter, follow us on YouTube, and we'll always be posting videos and promos and stuff. And we'd love to have you guys on the show. So please come and join us uh, sometime or another, and we'll have a good time. Yeah, every once in a while, Evan has a hot take on there. You, you might, you might Every once in a while, I get a little rant going. You know, I had a Joe Williams one. I had a Joe Mixon one. I had a Rodgers one. I had a nice little pain the running back position run yeah, because people yeah. were blaming the analytics guys. And I'm like – why you're like, what I do? When, when the weatherman tells you it's hot outside, do you go, well, Mr. Weatherman, why did you make it hot? You suck. Like, no, he's just telling you the way it is outside. Like, we're just telling you the way it is in the league right now. We didn't make it that way. And I find it funny that people always say, oh, when they disagree with analytics, something or other, they go, oh, nobody actually cares about this crap. You know, like the NFL isn't factoring this stuff in. Like, no one pays attention to these guys or these things. And then as soon as the running backs can't get paid, it's suddenly – the analytics guys have control over everything and tank the running back market. And I'm like, hang on, like, does nobody care or does the analytics guide everything now? Which one is it? It can't be both. So yeah, yeah that was exactly. Exactly. that drove me crazy, like the Jonah stuff. But thanks, Jeff, for having me on, man. Always a great time. Really appreciate hey, talking ball with you. Your 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 boy Malik is supposed to be on here a week from tonight. So I, I, I finally got I've there to have me a little gave, warm up. Okay. He gave, yeah. He gave, he gave me a date. So I, I reached out to him tonight to make sure like we're good for a week from now. Cause you know, Malik's a busy guy and he, I don't want him to forget. Man, he he is me. every right. time I see this guy, like he works so damn hard. I oh, mean, yeah. I, I wake up in the morning to go to work and I'll get texts from him that I had at 3am and he's back up at eight or nine in the morning, going to the studio to record. And 
he's doing that on top of managing all of his people in his company, man. So shout out to Malik and the guy is always exhausted. I wish he got more sleep, but he's a really hard worker, man. So absolutely. That's my dude. dude. I, I, I love Malik. He's, he's a great dude. So I'm happy to have him on, but make sure you guys go check out Evan and Malik. Follow him on Twitter. Evan, as all, Hey, you, uh, first of all, you, you going Friday? You're gonna be at the game Friday? Uh, I don't think I'll be able to make it. I've got friend wedding stuff this weekend, family in town. So we, we got quite a bit going on. All right, man. Well, I will probably see you at the uh, games or the stadium sometime this year. Well, I'll oh, yeah, for you, sure. I'll we'll we'll, we'll shotgun a beer or two. For I was to say, I'll make you shotgun a beer again. <laughs> All right. I appreciate you, brother. See you, hey, man. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Take care. Yep. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Yeah, every time I see Evan, I make him a shotgun of beer. <laughs> uh, make sure you go find, uh, follow him and Malik uh, over there at the Right Report to sit down and everything they got going on the Right Sports Network. Let me get to the Facebook groups that let me live stream. Man, I appreciate every single one of them. They are Hootay Nation, Hootay Legion, Bearcat Ruckus, Radical Reds, the Ohio State Buckets, the Ice Bar. And then, of course, you can follow me on all my social media platforms, all under sports with Strawberry Ice on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Uh, and threads. Twitter handle is at Jeff A. Trenopole. TikTok is at Iceman90. Threads is sports underscore with underscore strawberry underscore ice. Find it on there. I will be pulling off the sound later on tonight, putting on the podcast on Beanpod, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitch Play. Pretty much wherever you get your podcast, please make sure you rate, like, and review. We have a five-star review and a comment so more Cincinnati fans can find my podcast. YouTubers, you guys are awesome. 2,308 subscribers. As always, I say I could not do this without you guys, so I appreciate you guys. I work really hard at doing this, but this is a passion project. I have so much fun doing it. I love talking Cincinnati sports. love talking about Bengals. And I'm, I, like I said, I enjoy that you guys like watching. So do me a favor. Hit the thumbs up on the video. Tweet it out. Tell your friends and neighbors about Sports Strawberry Eyes. Try to get to me some more subscribers. Like I said, if you're watching on Facebook or Twitter, Please subscribe to the channel. Sports of Strawberry Ice. I'll greatly appreciate it. Um, tomorrow, I try to give you a preview of who I have on tomorrow. And I don't remember right now. Uh, let's see here. Tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. Oh, yes. Um, Mike Eversall, my boy. He's going to join the show. He has a has shot 23. He's out, I think, San Diego, not California somewhere. But he's a huge Bengals fan. Got to be him last year uh, at, at one of the games. He's an awesome dude. I've been trying to reach out to get, get him on. So he's going to be on tomorrow. It'll be a very interesting show. I'll be talking about the Bengals, Packers, uh, 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 practice tomorrow. Hopefully there won't be any fights. Hopefully I can get with Tony Pike and and, and, and we can have a little you know, communication, a little sit down between me, him, Skinny, of when he's going to come on my show or whatever. But, Tony, I will be at practice tomorrow. I will come and see you personally. <laughs> Other than that, guys, you have a wonderful day. I'll see you tomorrow. And that's just sports, baby. See ya!
on your shoulder. Everyone talking about a neutral AFC championship game, not even thinking about you guys. How much did that motivate you coming into this? You better send those refunds. <laughs> I'm from the city where they gotta play us. Fuck a coin flip, it's time to pay up. Don't cross the middle, 21 in the cut. We ain't hiding from nobody, run and tell them it's up. I'm from the city where they gotta play us. Fuck a coin flip, it's time to pay up. Don't cross the middle, 21 in the cut. We ain't hiding from nobody, run and tell them it's up. Back to back champs, kings of the north with it. Thinking they can hang with us, still ain't jumped out the porch with it. Long bomb to chase every Sunday, watch him go and get it. Double up on him, then we gon' double down on T. Higgins. This so void in the mix, now you really iffy. Every Sunday, showing boys how to really gritty. They try to shuffle up the game on us, but they ain't icky. Flip the coin, kick the toe, ride to the go and get it. Never know what's gon' happen when Joe drop back. He gets shiesty in the pocket, I get shiesty on the track. Nobody on the team, all pro, that's all cap. Most all around team in the NFL, that's all facts. And came across nobody yet. It seemed like they can hang with us They said we couldn't be Buffalo But see how we call they bluff Underdogs every week They keep on trying to label us Put your money on us Even if Vegas don't favor us No matter what We really came up now It's hard to fail I dare you come across that middle Von gon' ring your bell I know we under they skin Them boys built frail Eli Apple out there Chirping like a next tail You don't want Sam and Trey To come off them ends Rita clogging up the middle Like a big body bend Right behind them Logan and Pratt The turnover twins Jesse base in the backfield Just to clean up the loose ends We just drafted Cam and drafted Hill Instant gratification every time that they on the field We can't go back to what we was cause that's the losing weight It's been hard to throw on us since we picked up a woozy eight. It's like win after win, feel like we could really do it Zach Taylor doing his thing for the city, I give it to him And I bet Samaji will find a hole if you give it to him Hayden Hurst don't need a hole, he just plan on running through him Just hand it off to 28 and let him do the dash Getting hit by BJ Hill probably feel like a car crash Every week it seem like Lou digging deeper in his bag And if the game on the line, all my favorite money match I'm from the city where they gotta play us Fuck a coin flip, it's time to pay up. Don't cross the middle, 21 in the cut. We ain't hiding from nobody, run and tell them it's up. I'm from the city where they gotta play us. Fuck a coin flip, it's time to pay up. Don't cross the middle, 21 in the cut. We ain't hiding from nobody, run and tell them it's up. What do we say, dog? They gotta play us! That's right, they gotta play us. What's going on, y'all? Welcome to the show. This is Sports with Strawberry Ice. This is show number two. Do me a favor, if you found the show, hit that like and subscribe button, smash that thumbs up. You guys are awesome. I'm of 2,308 subscribers. As always, I appreciate every single one of you guys. If you're watching on Facebook or Twitter and you have yet to subscribe to my channel, why not? Please do so. Please go to the YouTube channel, Sports with Strawberry Ice. Hit the subscription button, hit the bell for the notification, and every time I go live, you'll be notified. Also, exclusively in the YouTube chat crew, we're doing Super Chats. So if you have a problem like me and Evan McPhillips, dude, from, you know, he's he's big time now. He's, he's with Malik Wright. But if you have a problem with the NFL 100, like we do, with jackpots listed, T's not even on there. Anyway, give me a super chat. I greatly appreciate it. And as always, I'm coming to you live from the Ice Cave. And the Ice Cave is brought to you by T-Properties. T-Properties, quality housing for quality people. Check out the website at www.tpropertiesllc.com for all your rental property management needs and your rental needs. And you know what? I wear it every day. Got it on right now. I got the hat on. Got the new shirt on. We got the uh, banner. The beer is out at Brink Brewery. Uh, hopefully, the cans and stuff will be out this Friday. But the merchandise, there you go. Merchandise, the hats and shirts and uh, banners and all that stuff is at jackpotjoey9.com. Portion of the proceeds go to the Joe Burrow Hunger Relief Fund and the Joe Burrow Foundation. Same goes for the beer. So make sure you guys keep that in mind while you're buying cool things because we got the best quarterback in the league. I don't care what anybody says. And the Cornhole Tournament. It is official. I don't know if you guys saw it or not, but it is October 14th. But that's when we're doing this. 
And 100% of the proceeds go to the Joe Burrow Foundation from this. So it's going to be at Brick Brewery. They're co combining it with their cookie chill-off. I'll try this again. They're combining it with their chili cook-off. So come there, drink some beer, eat some chili, get your ass beat by me, you know, and Cornhole because I'm going to dominate. I'm totally kidding. I'm not that good. But I am going to be in it. Uh, but it's just going to be a fun time. Come hang out, and we're going to have a absolute blast. What's up to everybody in the chat? Of course, strangers first. Why not? Brad's in there. Crip, you're in there. Nicholas is in there. Matt's in there. Greg's in there. Uh, and Greg's in there. We got two, two of them in there. What's up, guys? All right. So I had this guy on when he was at PFF. I had him on when he wasn't going to work for anybody. Now he's gotten to be big time. I mean, dude, he's first star logistics. They're in their own studio. He's all Malik Wright. I'm just glad that ever remembers little peons like me. Here's Evan. What's up, brother? How we doing, Jeff, man? It's been a while. Glad to be back on the show for a little bit. Absolutely, dude. I, I appreciate you coming on, man. It's, it's, been, it's been a while. So so how's everything going at, over there to sit down with, with Malik? You guys feel like you're having a blast out there. Oh, man. Yeah, no, it's a great time, man. We get together and, you know, we get to talk bangles on our uh, Wednesday show, State of the Jungle, 7 p.m. So that's always a great time. And then Mondays, we've got our, our sit-down show where we get to talk all NFL and NBA stuff. Man, we just get to – Sit around and talk sports, man. All the fun stuff. And now we got the the big star Joe Goodberry on the uh, first star team. So we're uh, we're only getting stronger and having more fun over there. Yeah, he's actually throwing out the first pitch of the Reds game today, isn't he? Is he really? That's that's what I saw on Twitter. My like, sheesh, man. I remember Joe way back. Right. Yeah. All the places <laughs> you'll go. Right. <laughs> uh, anyway, Joe's good dude. I, I'm 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 honestly happy for everything that's happened for 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 Joe because he's worked his ass off to get everything he's got. So. I'm I'm very very uh very happy for him, and for you because I mean I, you're a great dude. I'm, I'm I'm so happy. I love watching guys on the uh, uh right uh almost said the right report on the sit down and and everything you guys do with that first star. So let's get that. into this thing here. All right, yeah. so it came out the NFL 100, right? And not only is Joe Burrow not ranked, I I, I expect him to be ranked, be ranked number one. I figured it'd be Patrick Mahomes because he won the Super Bowl. Yeah, I figured like two, maybe three. He's sixth. How in the hell? Is a guy who took his team to the Super Bowl and back-to-back -back AFC Championship games. Sixth, Evan. Please, let's, I'll bring the list up here real quick. Please explain this to me. Yeah, uh, I, I wish that I could, um, and the well, I guess I can. And um, the the explanation, I guess, is that as much as I hate Pro Bowls for all the reasons that the the voting is not necessarily as serious and intentful as people might expect. Um, the the NFL top 100 list is even worse. And I've listened to former players like Mitchell Schwartz talk about how the voting gets done and it gets sent out to all these guys and so much of the different voting and stuff that the players do, they just automatically will put down people that are their friends or that are their teammates, which obviously makes sense, right? So the, right. the, the, the voting is already inherently biased. And then also – there's there's not always uh, great kind of like awareness. Um, all of these guys are not like 100% live and breathe football and watch football all the hours they're outside of football, right? A lot of these guys, their exposure to other people in the league is scouting whatever position that they're playing against next week. So if you're an offense that played the Bengals, you were never watching Joe Burrow film. You saw Joe Burrow highlights. You saw Joe Burrow games from time to time, but um, – 
the the playoffs being in the Super Bowl, I think there's a lot of recency bias going on here for another. Oh uh, yeah, Jalen Hurts went from not um, being on there to, to yeah, being well, higher than Joe Burrow. Yeah, I don't know how that happened. Um, <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, Jalen Hurts had a tr- tremendous year. Tremendous year. Um, he, he had one one good year. Right. Joe Burrow has had back to back. I think possible MVP seasons. Took mm-hmm. his team to the AFC Championship game and the Super Bowl, and he's going to win it this year. I'm just saying it, but you know. And that's what I'm like. Uh, Johnny Paps said it here too. He said, "He said I think the the top ten was pretty accurate, with the exception of Hertz being at three. Personally, I think you flip Hertz to Burrow. I, that would be fine. Yeah, I mean, like I said, if I expected Burrow to be two or three, not mm-hmm. six. I, I yeah, just, I just I, I definitely think that it, it's tough because obviously, if you're just you know, uh, you got to be regardless of position, right? Otherwise, quarterbacks all make it to the top. Um, right. And I, I don't mean, like you said, Jalen Hurts had an amazing season. Um, it just comes back to the consistency um, that Joe Burrow has played with since he's been in the league. And especially over the last two seasons, I feel like, especially when you have all these analysts out there, when they rank these top quarterbacks, Jalen Hurts is not is after the Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert tier. He's right there in that Lamar Jackson five through seven, eight tier. And like you said, to go from not even being ranked to, I mean, Joe Burrow took a team that was significantly worse than the Philadelphia Eagles with a line that was significantly worse um, into the Super Bowl. And, you know, it was a play away from potentially winning that game. Um so, and again, you didn't see him jump to three after that. You, you saw him jump to 21, right? Right. Not right. six, not even top 10. Right. So then one year later, Jalen Hurts comes from not even being on the list, not even being ranked. He has a very, very, very good year. But again, that narrative of the MVP award of the Super Bowl, the recency bias, people voting for their friends or teams or people that they know. And like, it's just, it's not at all serious, man. When, when Big Ben was in his worst year of his career and couldn't throw a football more than eight to 10 yards without it looking like a duck, uh, he still made the top 100 list. I think he was like 40 or something. And it was like, this is like, we're talking about 2011 Big Ben. Like y'all are talking, no, this is for last year, guys. And that's the thing is just, it's so much of your reputation, your your cachet within the league. And even then, like sometimes I still don't understand it. I, I know you and I were kind of talking before the show. Um, and I, I generally kind of like to have my ear to the ground and, and be aware of, you know, some standout players that are on the rise and stuff. Um, but to see guys like Talanoa Hofunga from the 49ers, I just, I don't Who? know that. Who? I, again, yeah, that's the thing is I, 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 I kind of pride myself on being a little bit ear to the ground there, right. at least you know, knowing these kind of stray guys a little bit. But I still, you know, I just to make it to 78 on the top 100 list and T Higgins doesn't even make it. How? Um, I, and the big thing is, look, you know, I see Devontae Smith up there at 100. You know, if you want to say, oh, well, that's the spot for T, but Devontae got it because, you know, Super Bowl recency. Okay. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. But then Have I see Garrett Diego Wilson. Garrett uh, Wilson. At 74, and I'm I'm not trying to to knock Garrett Wilson, right? Um, but only 1.8 yards per out run um, was up and down throughout his rookie year. Um, barely crossed the threshold for a thousand yards. 
Um, and I know that was just kind of a putrid offense that he was working with, with Zach Wilson and everything going on there. But that's kind of where I'm like, how are you going to just say, well, he has the potential to be better than T Higgins. Like, again, I just, it's I potential. It's, it's last year. It's what they did last year. That's, that's what this list is supposed to be. Like. Right. Right. That's, what, that's, that's the thing. I right, go off on him about T Higgins. I'm like, dude, T Higgins, if he's on any other team, 95% of the teams, not everyone, but most of them, he'd be the number one wide receiver on most NFL teams. Right. I'm and like, also, and I mean, there's things like Jalen Waddle being ranked higher than Cooper Cup. Look, I'm an Alabama guy. All right. And I'll still remember when all these guys were receivers at Alabama. And when I was working at PFF, uh, Zach Robinson, who's now working as a pass game coordinator with the Rams, kind of he knew I was I uh, went to Alabama, was a Bama fan. And he looked at me and he said, man, all right, Jerry, Judy, you got. Devonte Smith, you got Henry Ruggs. Who's your favorite receiver? Who do you think is the best? And I said, man, Devonte's all reliable. Jerry Judy's got the route running, and Ruggs has crazy speed. But there's this guy, Jalen Waddle, who gets in there for like 10, 20 catches and is out there receiving on punts and looking great. And I say this as someone who's been a huge Jalen Waddle fan. There's no reason he should be ranked over Cooper Cup at this point in their careers. And I know, again, we're talking a little bit about what happened with last season. Um, okay, well, I, I'll, I put, think, I'll put it this way. How is Jalen Waddle ranked above T at this point in their careers? I, I think there's a lot of fascination with the explosiveness and the explosive nature of uh, Miami and that offense. Um, I, I think there was definitely a lot of good scheming that helped get him and Tyreek the, the most after the catch possible. Um, and that's something that Mike McDaniel has done a good job of, as has Kyle Shanahan and Sean McVay at all um, from that tree. And again, I just I think this is a lot of like flashes overweighing the, it, it, the body of work. That it's more other potential of what they think it could be. I mean, there's, there's no way T.A. Or- Waddle has had a better had a better year than T did last year, or have or it's had a better career than right. T has. I mean, it's that's it, there's not even close <laughs> compared to that's, that's the part that confuses me yards. about like if you want to move Devontae uh, Smith up to seventy seven where Garrett Wilson is, and then put T Higgins in ninety or whatever that okay fine, but like at least you got him in there. But yeah, they're not even. I mean, he's I, had I just, thousand yards in what three years in a row, and two of those years he didn't play a full season. I think he still got a thousand yards. Yeah, so there's. I, there's there's aspects of that that I'm just like, or you get the like I said, the big bends where players have played in the league for a while. Um, I know Matt Milano has been an exceptional linebacker constant consistently throughout his career. Um, I think he's kind of moving downward on the back end of that. You know, you see him kind of drop a little bit. Um, but yeah, I just I it's tough. It's tough for me to put too much stock into this list because I, again, I, I, I treated this less than the pro bowl and I'm someone who absolutely <laughs> despises pro bowls. Like if you come to me in an argument and you say, Oh yeah, well he's got this many. Pro-. No, I don't get, I don't, I don't give a shit to be honest. All right. Just tell me how many all pros they've made. Tell me, you know, what kind of accomplishments they've had in terms of yardage or their advanced stats. Um, but don't, yeah, we, we we can't do Pro Bowls. When when fan influences, you know, 30% of the vote and you see there's a abnormal amount of Steelers and Cowboys and, you know, Niners, Packers type deal because right. these are the story franchises. They've been around forever and have that reputation of that. Um, you know, it's clear to see that the fan vote has a heavy impact on 
<laughs> on what in uh, what players get selected. So yeah. it's it, it reminds me very much of that and where, you know, some of these guys are, again, voting for friends, voting for teammates. Um, and I just I it's it's fun talking points for sure. It's fun to get riled up about a little bit and get your gears going, get you ready for the season. I think that's kind of I think that's kind of the the purpose more than anything. Uh, it, it- Got me fired up, like, dude. I, I just gotta say, don't worry. Jackpot Joey and the Bengals about to knock the door down, and they ain't gonna be able to keep a, keep us out of anything here, real soon. All right, there. Crip has a question. Being all property, Mister McPhillips, in your professional opinion, why do you think the national media doesn't like the Bengals? Is it only, is it only Mister Mike Brown, or do you think it's something else? I think it's that, but I also think there's a degree of kind of like that. There's inertia to the Bengals old reputation, right? Where it, their, their reputation had been the same for so long and they had not made any type of significant strides in changing how they approach team building, how they approach free agency spending, drafting, playing rookies, whatever you want to point to. Um, There was not significant uh, change and kind of new ideas coming in. Um, And I think it was easy for people to have their, their, their feelings and their understandings about the Bengals franchise at that point and what it had been for many people growing up, it takes a lot to change that in people's minds. People still probably say the Cowboys are one of the, the best and most successful franchises of the league in the last 20 years, but then you look at it and you go, wow, they haven't made it out of the divisional round of the playoffs since, what, 1997? Yeah, they haven't won a Super Bowl since 95. Right, so if you grew up – twenty. If you grew up in the 80s and 90s when the Cowboys were just constantly one of the best teams, Mm -hmm. though the Cowboys have not achieved that success, you have it in your mind because of how you view that franchise and their success through your formative years and through sustained excellence, right? And I think that was the thing is the Bengals never had sustained excellence. They would have a flash year in like, you know, 2012, 2015, 2009, but then the rest – it was easy to look at things like player surveys and be like, oh, the Bengals, you know, look, their their stadium is in shambles and blah, blah, blah. And, oh, yeah, it's the Bengals. They're not paying. Look at the lack of guaranteed money. Look at the lack of anything, blah, blah, blah. Oh, won't even play their rookies, you know, all this. Stuff. So in the last couple of years, I think you've seen that shift a little bit because we right. have seen consistency in the last three to four years and how they've changed their approach to free agency, to uh draft evaluation to positional value to now with Mixon and Hendrickson contract differences in how you've handled contracts in previous years. So I think this pattern of continued behavior will help to change the perception of the Bengals as well as, you know, winning a lot of games and having fun guys like Jamar and Joe Burrow. Um, But yeah, I think it's a lot of history. I think it's a lot of reputation and I think it's a lot of people being kind of ignorant to the Bengals for the last three years and the real changes that they've made in terms of fan engagement, you know, media availability slash, you know, it was just, it was easy to, for reporters, reporters like access, right? They like the coaches like Brandon Staley. You remember when Brandon Staley was giving great breakdowns of why he put into his fourth down decisions or whatever else and people eat it up and right. There's a little bit of forgiveness in the media for those who are willing to share. And the Bengals have always been, uh, you know, you're going to get coach speak. You're going to get shut down. You know, sometimes if the team didn't like what you were saying, you know, you might get less access. And I think that to the outside media is what makes it so easy for people to 
to sleep on the Bengals, to just ignore them, to wave them off. And I think that the Bengals are going to continue to challenge people's notions and perception in the coming years. Well, that narrative is definitely changing, especially in the last couple of weeks. I mean, well, just say this offseason. You know, we, we, we went out and got Orlando Zeus Brown, the best offensive lineman available in free agency. He mm-hmm. wanted to come here. Uh, Pratt decided to stay here. Now Logan Wilson has taken less money to stay here. And one thing, that, and I, I've said this a couple of times here, I just find this really refreshing. Mm-hmm. Logan Wilson said he wants to stay here because of Zach Taylor, because of the way he takes care of them and the way this organization has taken care of him and his family. Again, like you're just saying, you would have not heard that right. about Bengals ownership or anything. So that's the narrative that's changing. And it's not only us Bengals fans out here saying, banging the drum, saying, hey, things are different. The players are saying it. And it's also, you know, we're back-to-back AFC uh, North champs and we're in the AFC Championship game back-to-back years. So that, that helps too. Mm-hmm. But I mean, what what is that? In your opinion, what does that mean for the the future of this franchise? Because I mean, Evan, with us signing Logan Wilson, I mean, we got. I, I'm praying to God we we signed DJ. I want to keep DJ, but you basically got DJ and you got Cheetah, who I think are the ones that I'm not sure if they're going to sign. You got T, I think they're going to sign, and Joe, I know they're going to sign. Mm-hmm. We're going to be stacked for a long freaking time because these guys aren't going anywhere. They're all signed and they're all under team uh, team friendly. Just y'all know team friendly, but. Good contracts, I, I would say. Mm-hmm. That should put it out there that things are changing here in Cincinnati, not only with the fan base, but also with the Bengals. What, what, what do you think that puts out as far as the vibe for uh, the from the Bengals to the rest of the NFL? I, I think it definitely – that they are here to contend. Um, I, I think you're seeing that they are a destination for free agents who want to compete and want to be a part of – the culture that Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor and Jamar Chase and T Higgins and Logan Wilson and all of these DJ reader and all of these guys really embody here. Um, I think you're right to kind of peg DJ reader and Cheeto is difficult to get done for various reasons. But God, okay. That scares me. Cause DJ, I think is huge to, if we lose him, Um, that scares the hell out of me. The one I love DJ. He's a great guy. I've met him a couple of times, but just, just watch the games when he's not in there. Well, go watch yeah. the first playoff game in Tennessee two years ago. Watch him. He, if he, he's not in that game, we don't win that game. I'll yeah. tell you that right now. No, I, I completely agree. And as someone who, when I first started with PFF, was doing the Texans uh, media relations account um, and working a lot with them and doing Sunday standouts every every week and kind of emailing media members, hey, you know, here's some guys who were standouts based on PFF data. Here's some stuff to use for your stories. Um, DJ Reader was a rotational uh, interior defensive lineman. Christian Covington was getting a lot of run at that point, as well as some other guys. Um, and when J.J. Watt kind of be an edge interior versatile, he didn't necessarily as run stuffing uh, nose tackle at that time, did not get necessarily the rotation he should have. He was getting like four or 500 snaps sometimes. But every game, he was doing something impressive in his limited snaps. And he was someone who was constantly getting talked about. And when the Bengals signed him, I was very happy. I say all this to also be very careful about talking positional value because DJ Reader himself, yes, has incredible value. Objectively, the nose tackle position does not um, in terms of not value for the team, but it's a easier to replace position. It's an undervalued position in the NFL. It is. And um, I, I so when I say that in comparison to like edge corner, blah, 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 um, that, 
it's easier to replace. That's strictly because the threshold of athleticism you have to have to play nose tackle is not as unique as the profile you have to have size, speed, whatever else to play corner edge, wide receiver, et cetera. Um, so that's not to knock the value of DJ reader. As you said, when he was out, it, it was felt. Um, but I do look at how the Bengals have drafted. Um, I, I look at the situation of the free agent market right now where defensive tackles with any type of pass rush upside are getting 15, 17, $20 million. Now, is anyone going to give that to him for age 30 when he's also kind of dealt with injuries? Um, maybe not. But at the same time, if you're talking more than six, seven, eight million million a year for him, um, that's, that's when you start to talk about the Bengals could possibly be priced out. And that's going to come down to whether DJ feels I've got my payday. This is the team that took the chance on me. I love the culture. I'll take the pay cut and stick around, which he does not owe anybody. Right. Um, but he is that kind of guy that I think might entertain that idea. Um, but also on playing devil's advocate, I see guys like Mozzie Smith that the Cowboys got this year in the first round. I see guys like Keanu Benton, uh, the guy that the Steelers got um, out of Nebraska. And I, I see these type of nose tackles that are coming out that you can get in either the late first, mid second, third, fourth, to where you're not going to get DJ Reader back probably, but you are going to get a nose tackle that helps to alleviate that steep drop off between DJ Reader and next man up, right? Um, so that's tough. Um, Cheetah is also tough because, again, the market where – he made his rookie contract and then had to take less because the, the league was down on him. And now being older, he's, I think, going into his age 28 season. Um, you're coming off that ACL injury. And if you have your last, you, if you have another good year, you have one last contract to cash in, which, mm -hmm. like I mentioned, DJ Reader has gotten the chance to cash in while Cheeto has not. Um, he's on a very team friendly deal, making like average of $7 million, $8 million a year. Um, incredible, incredible contract value for a number one corner. Um, Stephon Gilmore is on his last legs in 31 and is making $10 million a year for the Cowboys. So right. I look at that. I look at Cheeto not have gotten a payday yet coming off of injury. And I understand if he feels the need to chase a bag for his and his family's uh, long-term security. But I also think that the DJ Turner pick and the Cam Taylor Britt pick might be kind of the writing on the wall a little bit there for Hay. We really like guys like DJ Ivy and Sidney Jones and feel good about them as like corner three, four, whatever. Right. Um, and again, if that money is going from the defense to the offense in terms of payment, then now the defense has to get younger and cheaper. Right. And I, I definitely think that the reason they hit corner maybe so hard in the draft was because the writing is on the wall there. Um but yeah, well, that's what's getting up. All right, Chandler, I know I'll get to your question. I know you're blow, blowing the chat up. I'll, I'll get to your question. I see it. Um but that okay, so th that's where I think I I think Cheeto I, I really do think Cheeto's this was last year because of the guys that they drafted. There is nobody behind DJ, and that scares mm -hmm. me. If you let him go, and then you're going to have to try to draft somebody or mm -hmm. sign somebody. I that's what scares me is is that we don't have somebody in place, and that's where I was shocked, shocked with they signed both Pratt and Wilson because. You got Keem Gaither, you got Marvin. No, they're not as good as those guys. I'm not saying that, but they are guys who could be put in there and would, would be uh, adaptable, and they've been in the system. So it is something that could replace them. There's no money to replace DJ. They're, they don't have it. They don't exist. I mean, 
Zach Carter is trying to be three tech. I mean, that's they don't have. I mean, Josh Tubo is a free agent. I mean, they literally don't have anybody to replace DJ. That's what scares me. Mm-hmm. So anyway, let me get the chance question here since you're a four PFF guy here. And so yeah. this blowing me up. This is my son, by the way. Stop blowing me up in the chat here. <laughs> All right. How much of PFS grading comes from personal opinions, judgments, calls? Should their grades continue to be used as equivalent data? So, yes, it should be used. Um, just like any data, um, you're going to have blind spots. Um, that, that does not necessarily mean that because there is an outlier or a blind spot for a stat um, that we necessarily just throw it out the window, right? So rushing yards, let's just start with that, something really basic. Um, very easy to say, oh, look, he has more rushing yards than the other guy, then he is better. But you need the context of attempts, right? Because if one guy has 500 attempts and the other guy has 200 attempts, clearly we would expect one guy, even if he's averaging two yards a carry, to have more yards. That's the blind spot of yards, right? That's the context we need. Um, If we look at uh, something like EPA, right? Jimmy Garoppolo is famously an EPA king. EPA is more about making consistently positive plays that nets you closer to scoring. So reducing negative plays. That's something someone like Jimmy Garoppolo does, something like uh, Jared Goff did very well last year in just finding open guys underneath the ball, whether that's a Monroe St. Brown, there's a bevy of running backs, et cetera. Um, That does not mean that we look at EPA and go, oh, EPA says that Jimmy Garoppolo and Jared Goff are top 10 quarterbacks, throw it out. That's not what that means, right? Right, Um, right. So we have to understand what a stat is specifically telling us. Yards per route run. Year to year, one of the best corollaries for how good a receiver has been. Julio was the yards per route run king. At the same time, there is an influence that can happen from like formations, where if you go very spread out with multiple receivers all the time, we would expect you to have less targets and opportunities than if you were heavy sets like the Titans and had two receivers all the time because Mm – you're going to be the receiver in the pattern more often, means more yards, more yards per route, right? Again, that doesn't mean throw it out. So I, I say all this to just preface that PFF, I, I mentioned Zach Robinson, a former colleague of mine, played in the NFL, played for the Bengals, played for the Seahawks, played with Tom Brady in, in New England. Um, Bruce Gradkowski does all of their stuff, played for the Bengals, played in the NFL. Um, these are the guys who, after the grading is done, and the grading, when it gets done, has already been seen by three different analysts. Right. And this 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 may go through a more extensive process than it does when I was there a couple of years ago, where they had three people already verifying the grades. And then on Monday morning, Bruce or Zach would go through and watch every single quarterback throw. That was their job, every right. single one. And if they disagreed with something, they would bring it up and they would go through revisions. Um So there are four and five people seeing this. So one person is not going to heavily influence this thing where if I say, oh, Joe Burrow, every play was a plus two. He's so good. I love Joe Burrow. There's going to be three other people that go, this dude was effing up and messing up. Like these are not right. We're going to find the right deal. Um, And also people say this about PFF grades. And when they say, oh, I disagree with this or that, or, you know, again, this is, you have to understand what PFF grades are trying to tell you, which is basically uh, plus or minus, but with weighting. Very, right. very plus plays are good. Very So 
there's there's a whole bunch of different how that affects different positions and we can maybe go into that on another show or something but you know it's it's an efficiency metric of sorts right how many plays are you out there doing positive things because obviously if you net more positives and negatives it's going to reflect well for you um but i would also challenge you to think how often do nfl evaluators guys who've been in the league for 30 40 years disagree on mm-hmm. what they see from the same play right Mm-hmm. You say, oh, PFF gave them this grade for this game or this grade for this play and said that was that and this is bullshit and it's I disagree and this is so stupid, never use it again. No, um, evaluators disagree all the freaking time. The guys right. who do this for a living for 20 years, and this is also to say that people at PFF are guys who did right. this. Right. Bobby Slowick, who works for the 49ers with Cal Shanahan, was at PFF for years before mm-hmm. he went to the 49ers. Like I said, Zach Robinson was with PFF. Now he's the pass game coordinator for the Rams and was interviewing for the Chargers offensive coordinator job. Ooh. Like these are guys that are in that in that league, in that circle, right? right? That they right. have reviewing these at the top level. Um, so I would put stock in them. I would not say use them blindly and say that they're the end all be all because no stat is. Right. Um, context of the of the stat is very important. But like I said, with with anything, there's going to be disagreement. People see the same play different ways. You know, people do the inside inside zone or duo all the time. It's only one or the other, but, you right. know, 50% of people always get it wrong. And it's, right. you know, it, people see things differently. People see prospects differently and go, this guy's an obvious hit. No, this guy's an obvious bust. What are you talking about? Right. And that doesn't mean that we throw anybody's opinion out because when we all come together and we use PFF grades plus EPA, Mm-hmm. plus yards per attempt, plus your passer rating. Now we have a really good picture. And I always try to to use analogies because mm-hmm. that's how my brain works. And it helps me simplify complex concepts. And the way I see stats are like different color paints for a picture, right? And so I get EPA and I'm talking about Joe Burrow and I paint that with blue. And then I get his yards per attempt or his turnover worthy play percentage. And that's green in there. And then every little color helps me to build out the an accurate picture of what right. Joe is, right? If I just use black and white, you can get detailed, but you can put use so much more detail with color. So I, I think of stats in that way where it just helps you to add more of a vivid description to what you're trying to quantify. Gotcha. Now I'll kind of roll this into a little bit of college football too, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um with the 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 Bearcats going, my Bearcats going into the Big 12. And I think by next year, it's going to be the Big 14 and how the way things are going. It might be the Big, big 20. I don't know. Is this, in your opinion, is this a good thing? I mean, I think it's a good thing for the Bearcats that are, we're filing in there. We got a piece of the pie. The Pac 12 has got four teams, <laughs> you know? Right. They, uh, they might be done after this year. Do you think they're only going to have, a, it's going to be a power four now? Or where, what's your thoughts on what's going on with college football? Because, dude, it's crazy, man. Like, one day you have the Pac-12, the next day it's gone. I mean, it's, it is. It's four teams. You can't have a conference with four teams. I got to do, do something. There. I mean, right. what's, your, what's your thoughts on that? Um, I Man, you have to wonder if the same way that there's been, like, division realignment in uh, other sports, whether NBA, NFL, um, I wonder if there's not something like that in terms of conference realignment. Um 
there's there's obviously you know people make jokes all the time about like you know SEC West and East and there's teams that are more West that are in the East and more East that are in the West and you know you got the Big Ten now (laughs) right and yeah so you yeah you got boy like 14 teams in the Big Ten yeah USC and UCLA are gonna be in the Big Ten (laughs) right so at this point there's there's got to be some sort of kind of realignment that happens because like you said you can't have this significant of an imbalance in terms of conferences and unless you end up with like we said like a power three you know which i mean maybe it's going that way but the these conferences are folding and they're just they're struggling to get it all figured out well the thing is not now we all know the college football is the makes makes all the money for the colleges so i understand that but Mm -hmm. these kids that say they're playing volleyball or they're playing baseball or whatever now they gotta travel all over the place right you know instead of being in you know a little closer because not everybody even football players not everybody who plays college football or college sports in general is going to go on to play professional mm-hmm. they gotta be able to if they are students however you want to put it so putting this extra travel on these just these other programs is i i don't i think it's harder on the kids who are there to to get a free scholarship to to yeah. go or, or a partial scholarship. Heck, if you're going from UCLA, you're going to be jet lagged every right. week during the season. Yeah, <laughs> you're I'm like, to how wake are you? up and study and be there for your classes. Yeah, you're going to be right. traveling to the East Coast every week. So that's why I'm wondering if like, is eventually going to be like, all right, we're going to have a we're going to have football conference, and then the rest of them, you know, are going to be in their own conference, but they still, you know, get the money to mm-hmm. the colleges or something like that because it's just it can't. They can't keep doing this. I mean, and I'm not trying to say poor college kids. I mean, dude, which I mean, it is poor college kids because not everybody has an NIL deal. Not everybody's getting all the money. Mm -hmm. Most of them aren't. (laughs) Most of them are poor college students. And now you're making it twice as hard on them to study, which is what they're there to do. I mean, you're supposed to play sports, but they're also there to study. So I can't remember who said this, but I heard that that maybe someday they might just have power three, power four conferences, and it's just football and then everybody else is in their own regional conferences which would work better for them mm-hmm. i don't know that's just I, I don't think it's a bad idea what's your thoughts on that no i think that makes sense because obviously we see a lot of the money for travel especially come from basketball and football so they have more resources in their program it's a little bit easier i think for them to make those travel arrangements we know that MLB minor league teams and and, uh, WNBA are having these issues with charter buses and travel, and that's an issue for them. Um, It's definitely also going to be an issue, like you said, for the girls' softball team of UCLA. Like, that's that's really unfair to ask of them to, yeah, their program to try and kind of compensate for uh, a move that was largely driven by the motivations of football and basketball. And again, I understand, like you said, you're, you're coming, you're, you're chasing the money, right? Yeah. Because you're going to make more money off of that move to the big 10 than you would from probably all the other sports combined. Um, That's the unfortunate reality. So I agree that when you have something that is such a monolith and an albatross like football and basketball that dominate so much of the ad revenue and kind of just space where you get your funding. I like the idea of keeping those two in kind of like a separate kind of conference ideal than, you know, some of the other ones that are going to have less funding and less ability to do national travel like that. Yeah. Now, I mean, it's a thought if this thing's ever evolving, I think it's going to continue to change, but I do want to roll into a little of my Bearcats. I know you're an Alabama fan, but which, well, you know, we'll, we'll, everybody's got their flaws. (laughs) I understand. Um, 
But I, do, have you been paying attention to anything about the Bearcats at all? Have you? Do you know that Evan Prather, who was uh, Mr. Ohio, mm-hmm. is now going to be a, a wide receiver? And it looks like he's he's actually playing pretty good out there. I don't know if you've been able to check any of that out or not. No, um, unfortunately, I've not. I've not been able to uh, to follow uh, to follow college football as diligently as I maybe have liked to over the summer. I think when the draft was over, I just like took a collective, just like deep body soul released. <laughs> like after doing that draft show, man, like I was so stressed oh. going into that thing. Oh, and, dude. Uh, we, we, we were on, me and Dale were on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the whole time. Yeah. I was done. <laughs> yeah, no, I was supposed to join you guys, I think, for like an hour or two on Saturday. And I was yeah. just like, oh, dude, I am drained <laughs> and dead. Like, I, yeah, my girlfriend made me stay in bed. She was like, you need to rest. You have been denying yourself sleep but uh yeah i realized it when i finally kind of re re kind of centered myself after that draft you know hiatus and then i was like okay let's go one of these i was like one of these spring games for college and i was like oh it's june (laughs) okay (laughs) they're they're already already played those right yeah yeah. so uh, i have not been able to kind of delve into much outside of the uh the conference structure type talk right now Um, i'm very excited to have college football back here in just a couple weeks i can't wait it's going to be so much fun heck i don't even know what alabama has done or is going to do they got a lot of youth and turnover on that team it may be uh maybe a little bleak this year but yeah i'm i'm really curious to see how uh, Satterfield is going to do as the Bearcats do head coach. And, and people ask me this before, like, are, are you excited about him? I was like, like, I'm not excited, but I'm not against him. And they're like, well, were, were you just, just, were you just floored and shocked to see Fickle leave? Yeah, kind of. I mean, I because, was too. I was too. I didn't think he was the guy who would go chase a bag in a well, program that doesn't really have a chance of winning their, their conference. Yeah. yeah the, the, cause they're going to, he went to Wisconsin and there's and Wisconsin is, I've done some research. Well, they're a very well-run athletic program, and mm-hmm. he'll get all the money he needs. Luke could rec- he can recruit. I mean, I think he could have a, a chance to really turn that around. And he, you know, he's a great coach. So mm-hmm. after the shot got over, I kind of I don't say I understood, but I could see why, sorta. Mm-hmm. But I mean, for me, I'm like, you're going to the Big Twelve after this year. Texas and Oklahoma are leaving, right? It's yours for the taking. Do yeah, you it's yours for the taking. I'm like, Big Ten, you stick out Ohio State, Michigan. Michigan? Yeah. yeah. That's where I'm like, so it, I, yeah, yes. I was shocked. I still don't totally get it. I, I still don't. I'm, I'm I don't trying either. to wrap my head around it, but I, I don't I don't get it. But I'm hoping Satterfield uh, is a good coach. I, I think he's more of an offensive coach than, than, than Luke was. And people ask me, like, well, weren't you excited about when Luke got here? I said, well, no, not really, because he was at Ohio State and you know he was the head coach there for that one year and they stunk. So I'm like, I wouldn't, you know, and Satterfield didn't have a great year at Louisville. You know, I'm, and I'm not saying he's gonna be a bad coach. I have no idea. I'm just saying I'm waiting to see what he's got and what 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 the new changes are, are going to be with the Bearcats. Cause I think we're gonna be more of an offensive driven team than the defensive driven team we were with with Luke. So it's going to be very oh, interesting. That can take you far, and that's been the Big 12 method for a while. So, right. hey, you're just prepping for the Big 12, it sounds like. Well, that's – but that's the thing, though. I, okay, get back a look at that. See, the other thing, it's like, all right, because the Big 12 doesn't play defense. We had a great defense. I'm like, we'll go in there and shut those guys down, and we could mm-hmm. surprise the people. But, yeah, he left them. <laughs> in Wisconsin, so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm excited. I, I'm really curious because, I mean, the funny thing is – we were in the AAC for like 10 years. I think I was finally starting to 
remember when all teams were in our conference and now we're in the big 12 and we, I think Arizona, Arizona state and Colorado are coming in next year. And then Texas, Oklahoma are leaving. You definitely year. need a flow chart to figure uh, out dude, what teams are all coming. Yeah, and going. I'm like, taking this one, moving to here, that one's going over here. And I'm like, ah, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. But I, I like I said, I'm excited. It's a great move for Cincinnati because we have a piece of the pie. We all, we're going to have a chance to compete in every aspect of football now. Uh, you know, more more than ever before. I mean, we, the same thing we had when we were in the Big East. We had it for a couple of years, and then the Big East broke up. And we got it back in the Big 12. And I'm very happy that the Big 12 is actually being proactive and expanding, because that's what you got to do. <laughs> if you're not proactive in this and trying to expand, you're going to be like left behind like the Pac-12. So I, I'm happy with what the direction that the conference we're in is going. Now I just got to see if the Bengals, Bengals, <laughs> Bearcats, too many bees can uh, can perform for them, which that's that's gonna be interesting to find. But let's move back to the Bengals here. Now, what are your standout performances so far here uh, in training camp that you that you've gotten to see and the uh, guys you're excited to possibly watch this Friday? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think obviously you're not going to be talking about any of the starters. Everybody's no, be on the I don't, no, none of the starters are this, right? Um, I definitely am interested. There's been a lot more attention to DJ Ivy consistently. Um, was a little confused when there were other tight ends still capable, decent prospects on the board in like round six and seven. And they opted to swing back around and get corner again. Um, and I, I kind of looked, yeah, you weren't the only one, <laughs> right? Um, so that was interesting, and I think there were also a couple other like there was a prospect Corey tries from Purdue that I thought had size speed measurables and some pretty good production that uh, I also was kind of eyeing there. So DJ Ivy kind of caught me off guard, but from everybody that has been to camp so far, all I hear is that the guy keeps making plays. He does. Um, I'm starting to put a little more stock into like the last week or so, because now they have pads on They're playing for real. Now Um, I expect the size, the size speed guys to really kind of dominate when they're wearing shorts. But now that they're in pads, yeah. um, it, you can put a little more stock into what you're hearing. So DJ Ivy's one, um, Charlie Jones, obviously another one, and he and Yoshivas base. Yes, I think both of them are definitely the top of that list. Um, I think you also want to see some development from these guys on the defensive line because that's the real wild card. Is if any of Zach Carter, Cam Sample. Jeff Gunther takes a, a step forward. Suddenly you, you've got a little more beef on that interior that you feel a little bit better about, which would be tremendous for this team um, as, as a team that's struggling for depth behind BJ Hill and DJ reader. Um, so those are, that's about maybe four or five guys that I'm kind of really, really looking at. Um, I, I have every bit of faith in the world that Jordan battle is going to be just fine. I, I have a lot of faith in Jordan battle. You're, so you're not a little biased about that, are you? <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe just a little bit. Yeah. But uh, no, I, I think that guy's going to come in and just take care of business. So, um, so I'm I, I got one for you here. This is yeah. what I, I'm curious. And we're not going to find out this until the season starts, but since they, Resigned or extended Trey Hendrickson. And I've seen Miles Murphy playing inside a lot at practice. Mm-hmm. My thought process goes to, I mean, we're all excited about the, the quote unquote NASCAR package. So we put all four of them out there on mm-hmm. third downs or whatever. And then I, I think they might be out there for more than that. That's because if you can get pressure with your front four with, D, with uh, DJ or BJ in the middle, and mm-hmm. those four guys on the, on the inside and outside come at you. 
that's that's what the Eagles did. I mean, the Eagles did with with three, but if you can get pressure with four of them, that just sets the t- tone for for the our DBs to to eat back there, linebackers to take off. I mean, I, I don't know what you're. Do you do you? Am I crazy in thinking that they'll play this more than people think, or what? No, I I think um, I think you've seen how much they've relied on Trey and uh, Sam. Excuse me, on the edge. Um, I, I think Sam was over 950 snaps in like both of the last two seasons. I'm I'm going off the top of my head. I know it was a lot. They, they, they need they need less snaps for sure. Yes, uh, Sam Hubbard 962, and then obviously uh, Trey has dealt with his own injuries as well. And I think they're especially as Trey is getting closer to 30. Um, I think there's going to be an emphasis on rotating in Joseph Osai and Miles Murphy. And I know everybody's excited about the NASCAR package and the pass rush potential, but I think we might see Miles Murphy maybe rotate in a little bit more on those rundowns. And he's he's a good run run defender too. He's he's better than I think people give him credit for. That's the thing is I I think that with a few tweaks, um, his run defense will probably be better than his pass rush coming out. And I say, this is someone who he, I'm very excited about the pick. I'm very excited about his measurables. Were you as shocked as I was when they they picked him? Yes. um, I I, I was surprised, but I also understand um, just from positional value. Right. When you look at where, where, where do you get guys with the traits that succeed at the end, at corner, mm-hmm. at quarterback? Those are all first and second round. Right. And outside of that is a dart throw. Mm-hmm. Um, so I understand absolutely with Trey and Sam both getting older, pushing that 23 mark, or I'm sorry, the 23 mark, the 30 mark. Mm-hmm. Um, then I understand wanting to get younger to where, you know, year three of Miles Murphy rolls around and he's ready to take over a starting role. Um, but I, again, I, I'm a fan, but we also need to point out that he did not have the pass rush production that you want. He did not improve much as a pass rusher from freshman to sophomore to junior year, where you want to see some growth and development. And you also want to see as you get bigger and stronger and faster than these other 18 year olds coming in from high school, you should be beating up on them more. Right. Um, his, his pass rush win rate of 14.3% and his true pass uh, rush win rate of 17.3 were about half the win rate of many edges like Will McDonald that went off the board earlier. Um, there's definitely questions why he didn't put that together um, against some of the lower competition in the ACC. Um, but, you know, there was changes in defensive scheme and right. coordinators, and there's reasons that you can think that. And he's also mm-hmm. just 21. So I'm not trying to put the stamp on him, but I'm just saying it might take a little bit for the pass rush to get there. Whereas I think he can be very valuable rotating in for Trey and Sam and kind of relieving them on some of these rundowns and give, keeping them fresh right. for the playoff run and also getting miles valuable experience as a run defender. And, um, you know, I mean, we see neutral pass rate is constantly going up. So when, you know, first down is no longer just the rundown, you know, right. So that's not to say that miles Murphy's not going to go out there with the intention of, we expect run and then it's play action or it's a drop back pass anyways. Um, but I definitely would not be surprised to see him rotate in maybe more on rundowns than pass downs to begin with, because the times you bring in the NASCAR package are a fewer and farther in between, maybe right, right. Um, where you're looking for just pure juice and pass rush. So now how, and how big a year is this for Zach Carter? How, how big a year do the Bengals 
need him to develop. I, I'll, I'll put it that way because we still have anybody to replace Lario. I think he's your best candidate. I don't think he's going to replace him, but at least be you know suitable there. Mm-hmm. I, I think he started playing really well at the end of the year. I, I, I will give him credit. So I'm hoping he he, he adds on to that this year. But what, what's your thoughts on uh, Zach Carter? I think Zach Carter and Cam Sample both yes. kind of down the last seven, eight weeks when Trey went down, they did a good job of kind of having a upward trajectory in their production, um, definitely trending the right way. Jeff Gunter was not. Um, but we did hurt about- most last year, too. That was his problem. Yeah, it, it's tough. You're you're definitely going to have to see more from him, and it's tough too because, like you said, with the addition of guys like Miles Murphy, that D line room only gets even deeper, mm-hmm. and people are going to have to really fight if they want to be on the back end of that roster. When if they want to keep DJ Ivy, they might have to keep seven corners, and if they want to keep Trent Irwin and Stanley Morgan, they're going to have to keep seven wide receivers. And suddenly you're like, someone's going to get right cut there. somewhere. That's going to be the biggest decision. Those two rooms right there are going to be the two biggest decision marks, I think, for this coaching staff of of who they keep, who do they think they can sneak onto the practice squad because it's only one cut this year, right? You know, so that that's going to be the biggest or the most interesting thing to see how they try to do that. Yeah, so I think I hope to see a step forward from Zach Carter, but I also would not be surprised if in two seasons when we're going into the last year of Sam and Trey's deal and Miles Murphy's there and maybe Joseph Osai is still there. I wouldn't be surprised to see five or six new faces on that D line room. If they don't take steps forward this year, you know how they've held on to so many offensive line prospects, right? Like Deontay Mm -hmm. Smith for so long. And eventually you have to give up. Eventually, you have to move on, right? If you don't see even that trajectory that you want to see, at some point, you have to move on. And I think we're into that last year where, oh, gosh, who was the guy they drafted out of Kansas State, the edge rusher, just, what was that, five, six years ago? Jordan Willis, is that right? Uh, I think so. I'm trying to remember Kansas State. I remember the kid of the Kansas State long hair that got hurt, but I was. Yeah, it was Jordan Willis. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I, uh, I I was excited about him. He was a fun prospect that, you know, maybe wasn't so bendy, but you know, had that potential and it took three or four years and then eventually they moved on. Right. And I, I see that maybe being a similar trajectory for some of these guys on the backside of the defensive line, where, like you said, if, if you're looking for that guy to follow in DJ readers footsteps, if you're looking for that guy to be your other three tech, if you're looking for that guy to be your other edge across from, Miles Murphy in the future. I don't know that Cam Sample, Jeff Gunder, Zach Carter make you feel comfortable enough that they're going to be NFL level starters consistently to where you might not want to transition to another project where I think maybe Deontay Smith, I don't know that I, they love identity. I don't think identity has gone, but those type of guys where I think they might move on from the Deontay Smith and say, let's keep the Jackson Kirkland and work on him now. Right. And see what we can get out of that. So I definitely would expect to see this be a big inflection point for that defensive line rotation on the back end. All right. So with that being said, Brad, a good curious thing with the offensive line here, mm-hmm. Jonah Williams, uh, I, I've said it all along. So he's going to be a right tackle. I've steadfast right. stood by that. He's going to be a right tackle with him so far transitioning pretty freaking smoothly mm-hmm. and Jax Carmen still hit or miss. You got Deontay Smith. Those are your, right now. If they don't resign Jonah, which 
I think all intents and purposes, we don't think they're going to. I don't think mm-hmm. they can afford to do it. What are they going to do? It, 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 Jack, it, are you okay with Jax Carmen being your right tackle next year? I mean, I know it's early. It's a whole year, but it's it's something that the Bengals have got to think about. You know, I mean, they yeah. Do. Um, I think you can be hopeful, but also hope is not a strategy, right? Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, so hope in one hand I, and in the other. <laughs> right. See which one fills up first. Right. Right. <laughs> um, I I just don't know. Maybe you see some development from him, and I just. I know they're sprinkling him in right now and he looks a little inconsistent, which I would expect from someone who just flipped sides of the line for the first time in their playing career. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's the part that, that kind of is tough for me because a lot of the tackles that have that kind of versatility to switch have either played that side before right. or were at least cross-trained. Um, and I just, Again, that's that's a hoping strategy, right? If you're planning on Jackson Carmen, plus I, I know he had a good game last year and did not look like an utter disaster like he did his rookie year. Right. And I commend him for coming in with a new approach and a more clear work ethic and effort than he gave as a rookie. Um, but at the same time, if I'm walking in with him as my day one starter next year at present, based on what we know, I'm, right. I'm feeling a little, yeah. little uneasy about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think there's a lot of good guys on this roster, man, where they have them on the back end. And I just wonder if you're keeping Lyle Collins and you're keeping Max Sharping and Trey Hill and Adenogy, like you're, you're pretty much already at like what, nine linemen. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. you, you uh, do you think he could snake Jackson Kirkland onto the practice squad in a NFL league that is desperate for a lineman with a pulse? I mean, well, that that brings you another. We're going, we're going over an hour here, but, I, I, but that's what you and me do. We always talk. Um, <laughs> but this is one another thing that I brought is I think you know they're going to. I okay, put this way. I want them to keep Lael, even after he gets off pup. I want to keep him because what's happened the last couple of years to our offensive line. Mm-hmm. Somebody's gotten hurt, and if you got Lael in your back pocket who can play uh, right tackle or kick in the guard, right? That's and I know it's a that's big, one of the best backup situations in the NFL. But it's, it's a it's a large chunk of change mm-hmm. that they would owe him. So I, that's where I'm like, I hope they do it. I don't know. If they well, the thing is though, his his uh, if you remember when he signed his contract, it's very incentive laden. So if he's not active for a game, then you don't owe him that money. Right, but they cut him. I think they get like seven million dollars or something like that. Is uh, it, me, okay, somebody else is on. Uh, I can't remember. Somebody was on the show last week telling me that because I was I was talking about. It. I'm like, because I'm like, yeah, hey, we keep it. Like, yeah, well, they cut him. It's like it's like a seven million dollar. Yeah, they do. Um, and uh, <laughs> my right. Uh, my question is, if you get seven million dollars right now, what are you going to do with it? Pay T, pay Joe. <laughs> the thing is, if they've already manufactured their cap space and done the mixing right. deal and right. done the Trey Hendrickson deal with this in mind, do they have to? I hope. Uh, I hope they do. I want to keep them. I'm just. And that's the thing is, you can also roll over. But again, with the, I would argue with the way that if, and this was my argument with people, just like, oh, trade and cut Jonah right now. I don't, you know, I, I, I don't uh, understand. We were we were never on that spot. Uh, no, <laughs> no, never. Um, a, this is one of the best backup tackle guard situations that you could have. And yes, it's $7 million that you could save um, against the cap. Um, but I just, I don't, 
I just I, I don't see it because he's got a three he's got three million dollars timed up in per game roster bonuses. Do we expect him to be even in the game before? I mean, I think he's going to be on the pup list for the first six weeks. To be honest, right? So That's again, we're already talking about you're probably going to end up saving a million and a half, right. maybe two, mm-hmm. based on that. Um, and if you're telling me you get the best backup tackle guard option for five million dollars after what you've had to deal with, sign me up. Years, right? Yeah. So sign me up. So that's why I'm like. I don't want to cut him because then, okay, uh, somebody so backup Jax Carmen, Adenogy, back to Jackson Carmen or Hakeem Adenogy right. or Deontay Smith or Cody Ford, which and, I don't believe is a real legitimate. No, he's, he's he's honestly been playing with the third strings. So. I yeah, I I people were like, oh, he might take the job or get yeah, like, and I was like, this guy couldn't even play guard. For, <laughs> two seasons in the NFL on two different teams that right. were desperate for offensive linemen with a right. pulse. And you right. think he's just going to switch back to tackle Ooh. and finally sign all type of success. Like right. I doubt it. Like, right. Yeah. yeah that one, that one always, they're like, Oh, he's going to come and compete for the right tackle. I said, no, he's not. I was like, well, they can tell him that, but he ain't really going to compete. They're like, no, but there's, there's flashes. And I'm like, Oh my God, guys, like, like this is how starved we are for like, anything offensive they, linemen. And I, we're trying I, to cut. Jonah and Lyle. Like, why don't like, dude? That drove me so. Why does there? Why is there so much Jonah hate? I, I, I was okay with Jonah yeah. being our left tackle. I mean, trust me, Zook, Zeus is better than Jonah. I fully admit that. And I'm fine with that. I, I am very happy that Zeus is our left tackle. I didn't still understand all the Jonah hate. I mean, Jonah popped his kneecap out, both knees, mm-hmm. <laughs> and one of them, one game popped him back in and went back in and played. I mean. Right. Dude, he's a tough dude. He's a team player. I mean, he's gonna be a really good right tackle. I just, I, I that you, we've you were on here, I think last, or earlier this year with me and Dale. Yeah, we're talking I think it about was that. a pre-free agency, I think. Yeah, and I'm like, well, I don't understand why everybody is before we even signed Zeus. Like, I think it's people who are like, oh, he's supposed to be a top ten or top fifteen tackle, and it was like, no, 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 guys, like he. He's an average tackle, and that is extremely valuable. Right. My uh, gosh. Uh, God, why am I blanking so hard on the right tackle who signed with the Broncos from the 49ers? Oh, um, uh, McCutcheon. McC- no, that's no, the no, that's McGlinchey. McGlinchey, there it is. Yes. Mike McGlinchey. I was like, I kept wanting to say McGarry, and I'm like, no, that's Caleb. <laughs> like, no. Um, $17 million. And yeah. guys, like, he was a better run blocker than Jonah in a Kyle Shanahan system, which, you know, I. Everybody's good with a run blocker. Right. Kyle. Yeah. He, he <laughs> makes, yeah. He makes a lot of good people look good in that. Um, and he was putrid as pass blocker. Jonah was a better pass blocker far and away. Um, so, but he got $17 million. So I'm sitting here going, you're paying Jonah to be the 30th to 45th best tackle in the league for $12 million. And that's a good deal. And people were losing their fucking minds. And we're, again, we're sitting here trying to talk our, talk ourselves into Cody Ford based on like four good snaps across his three year career. And he's been cut from two teams in two years. And we're like, Oh, but Jonah had 13 bad plays on 1000 pass blocking or on 1000 snaps. He's the worst ever. And I'm like, I, I, I I never understood. I mean, I got, I, uh, guys on the street, I, I hope we can keep doesn't it frustrate you like on those days where you're just busting your ass for like six straight hours, no break, whatever else, and then you stop to take a breath and you check your phone, and that's the second when the boss walks <laughs> in the door. Right. Yes. That's like what you're doing to Jonah, where it's like he's busting his ass for 1,000 plays. He played uh-huh. over 1,000 snaps. And if you're looking at just 13 snaps, his sacks, and saying, well, that's who he is, 
you're ignoring who he is for the other 99.8% of his plays. Exactly. Which is just, again, silly, which, again, that's something where I like PFF is that the accumulation of those negatives, while severe, guys, I want to have – you guys want to be that mad about Jonah and his sacks? I want the same energy when we get uh, uh, holding calls on offense. Because you want to talk about what kills a drive – Oh, a sack kills a drive. You know what else does? A holding call kills a drive almost as much. And people were talking about, oh, yeah, get this guy or that guy. And I'm like, if you combine sacks and penalties and treat them somewhat similarly, like there's a lot of guys who are penalized twice or three times as much as Jonah. Yep. Juwan Taylor and Orlando Brown both, I think, had more than double the penalties that Jonah Williams had. So it's like, do you want the guy who gives up 10 sacks and has no penalties or the guy who gives up? three sacks with 12 penalties. And I'm like, right. uh, I, those are as bad as a sack that 10, 15 yards can kill a drive. Like I, so I just, if you want to come at Jonah's head for the sacks, I want to see people go at offensive lineman heads for penalties as well. well trust me. If Jonah is gone after next year, people are like, you know what? We really should have kept Jonah Williams. I'm like, no shit. Drywall, man. <laughs> exactly. All right. Evan, it's, you've been on for an hour and four minutes. I appreciate it. Like I said, you can get on here. Me, you, me and you can just keep talking, but anyway, tell everybody about, uh, you know, the sit down things you got going on Malik, right. And anything else you want to plug? Right. Yeah. Um, you guys can find me over on Twitter at E McPhil. Um, you can find, uh, our YouTube show at youtube.com forward slash the sit down five, one, three, um, we do a Bengal show on Wednesday nights, a uh, live interactive show. Love to have you guys in the comments and kind of interact with you and hear what you want to hear and uh, address your concerns and your questions. And then we also have a Monday show and we'll probably ramp up our frequency a little bit with maybe some of these shows um, when it comes time for um, when it comes time for the regular NFL season and things are a little bit more frequent and we don't have the dog days of summer. But, um, no, you guys can follow us on Twitter, follow us on YouTube, and we'll always be posting videos and promos and stuff. And we'd love to have you guys on the show. So please come and join us uh, sometime or another, and we'll have a good time. Yeah, every once in a while, Evan has a hot take on there. You, you might, you might. Not every once in a while, I get a little rant going. You know, little, I had little, the Joe Williams one. I had a Joe Mixon one. I had <laughs> Aaron Rodgers one. I had a <laughs> nice little pain in the running back position run yeah, because people yeah. were blaming the analytics guys. And I'm like – why, you're like, what I do? When, when the weatherman tells you it's hot outside, do you go, Mr. Weatherman, why did you make it hot? You suck. Like, no, he's just telling you the way it is outside. Like, we're just telling you the way it is in the league right now. We didn't make it that way. And I find it funny that people always say, oh, when they disagree with analytics, something or other, they go, oh, nobody actually cares about this crap. You know, like the NFL isn't factoring this stuff in. Like, no one pays attention to these guys or these things. And then as soon as the running backs can't get paid, it's suddenly – the analytics guys have control over everything and tank the running back market. And I'm like, hang on, like, does nobody care or does the analytics guide everything now? Which one is it? It can't be both. So yeah, that was, that drove me crazy like the Jota stuff, but thanks Jeff for having me on, man. Always a great time. Really appreciate talking ball with you. Your, your, your boy Malik is supposed to be on here a week from tonight. So I I, I finally got, I've, there to have me a little gave, warm up, okay? He gave, yeah, he gave, he gave me a date, so I, I reached out to him tonight to make sure, like, we're good for a week from now because you know Malik's a busy guy, and he I don't want him to forget. Man, he is me. every time I see this guy, like he works so damn hard. I mean, I, I wake up in the morning to go to work, and I'll get texts from him that I had at three a.m. and he's back up at eight or nine in the morning going to the studio to record and. 
he's doing that on top of managing all of his people in his company, man. So shout out to Malik and the guy is always exhausted. I wish he got more sleep, but he's a really hard worker, man. So absolutely. That, that's my dude. dude. I, I, I love Malik. He's, he's a great dude. So I'm happy to have him on, but make sure you guys go check out Evan and Malik. Follow him on Twitter. Evan, as long, Hey, you, first of all, you, you going Friday? You're going to be at the game Friday? Uh, I don't think I'll be able to make it. I've got friend wedding stuff this weekend, family in town. So we, we got quite a bit going on. All right, man. Well, I will probably see you at the uh, games or the stadium sometime this year. Well, I'll oh, make, yeah, for sure. I'll we'll we'll, we'll shotgun a beer or two. For I was to to say, <laughs> I'll make you shotgun a beer again. <laughs> All right. I appreciate you, brother. See you, hey, man. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Take care. Yep. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Yeah, every time I see Evan, I make him a shotgun of beer. <laughs> uh, make sure you go find, uh, follow him and Malik uh, over there at the Right Report to sit down and everything they got going on the Right Sports Network. Let me get to the Facebook groups that let me live stream. Man, I appreciate every single one of them. They are Hootay Nation, Hootay Legion, Bearcat Ruckus, Radical Reds, the Ohio State Bucknuts, the Ice Bar. And then, of course, you can follow me on all my social media platforms, all under sports with Strawberry Ice on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok uh, and threads. Twitter handle is at Jeff A. Trenopole. TikTok is at Iceman90. Threads is sports underscore with underscore strawberry underscore ice. Find it on there. I will be pulling off the sound later on tonight, putting on the podcast on Beanpod, Apple iTunes, Spotify, Google, Stitch Play. Pretty much wherever you get your podcast, please make sure you rate, like, and review. Leave a five-star review and a comment so more Cincinnati fans can find my podcast. YouTubers, you guys are awesome. 2,308 subscribers. As always, I say I could not do this without you guys, so I appreciate you guys. I work really hard at doing this, but this is a passion project. I have so much fun doing it. I love talking Cincinnati sports. love talking about Bengals. And I'm, I like I said, I enjoy that you guys like watching. So do me a favor. Hit the thumbs up on the video. Tweet it out. Tell your friends and neighbors about Sports Strawberry Eyes. Try to get to me some more subscribers. Like I said, if you're watching on Facebook or Twitter, please subscribe to the channel, Sports Strawberry Ice. I'll greatly appreciate it. Um, tomorrow, I try to give you a preview of who I have on tomorrow, and I don't remember right now. Uh, this year, tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. Oh, yes. Um, Mike Eversall, my boy, he's going to join the show. He has a has shot 23. He's out like think San Diego, not California somewhere, but he's a huge Bengals fan. Got to be him last year uh, at, at one of the games. He's an awesome dude. I've been trying to reach out to get, get him on. So he's going to be on tomorrow. It'll be a very interesting show. I'll be talking about the Bengals, Packers, uh, 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 practice tomorrow. Hopefully there won't be any fights. Hopefully I can get with Tony Pike and and, and, and we can have a little you know, communication, a little sit down between me, him, Skinny of when he's going to come on my show or whatever. But, Tony, I will be at practice tomorrow. I will come and see you personally. <laughs> Other than that, guys, you have a wonderful day. I'll see you tomorrow. And that's just sports, baby. See ya!